What's inside me? Look, we can't just leave him here. I thought you came here to stop him from spreading. What's inside me? There's gotta be a process. Can you stop it? I got no time for that. I can't do it here. The lab is out of order. What's inside me? I could do him. Back of the head. Painless might be the best way. What's inside me? No, there's got to be another way. What if we freeze him? What's in fucking inside me? The parasite! Oh, an element. There's a monster in your chest. These guys hijacked your ship, and they sold your cryo tube to this human. And he put an alien inside of you. It's a really nasty one. And in a few hours, it's gonna burst its way through your rib cage, and you're gonna die. Any questions? Who are you? I'm the monster's mother. Listening to the Buzzed Kill Podcast. I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. <laughs> it's episode 37. Welcome to the Buzz Kill Podcast, the only podcast with the balls big enough to open our show with Alien Resurrection. Jeez. <laughs> oh, I'm Mike. I'm Jim. And I'm Justin. And that was Mike's idea. I didn't I had nothing to do with that. So if you have, if you, have if you have hate mail to send to us, send it to Mike. And so we're also playing a game today called What's Inside Me? What's in fucking inside me? <laughs> oh boy. Uh, if you couldn't tell, today we're talking about well, it's very it's 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 very appropriate because today is actually Alien. I thought Day. it was yesterday, wasn't it? Yesterday? April twenty is today the twenty sixth, seventh. No, no. Oh, someone's living in the. Well, best. yesterday was the was Alien Day. Ironically enough, I didn't even know that when we. I didn't either. When we set this up, no, so we just decided to do a retrospective. We're like, let's do the Alien franchise, yeah. and just so happened that it's. We'll just call it Alien Week. How yeah, about that? Yeah, it works. It works. With all so, the uh, with all the talk about Alien Covenant coming up, we figure we'll yeah. do a retrospective on the series and we'll prepare for it. Right. Uh, one uh, thing we May, will not May nineteenth. That's coming. May nineteenth. Yeah. Yep. So uh, one thing that I will not be talking about, or we will not be talking about, is the Alien versus Predator movies. Right. That's a whole. That's a whole kit and caboodle in that, and of itself. That's a whole thing. <laughs> um, but uh, so, how have you guys been? Uh, good. Just, Dude. just hanging out. I got no headphones right now, so oh, nothing. We'll figure it out. Okay. Um, yeah, good. Yeah, today is my daughter's birthday. Oh, which is awesome. She's is she? two. She's two years old. Oh, so. I, was gonna, I was gonna guess seventeen. No, <laughs> they grow up so fast. <laughs> you wish, Mike. You pervert. <laughs> so, sh- so shout out to my shout out to my wife for uh, you know bringing a child into the into the into the earth. That doesn't. To the uh, earth. I'm the monster's mother. Uh, <laughs> that was actually, that that whole monologue at the beginning <laughs> was actually how it played out in the hospital room with my wife. What's inside me? You're just whispering into her ear, I put something inside of you. <laughs> no, she's a, she's a champion of the sun, and uh, she brought me my daughter to, gosh, what the fuck is wrong with my voice? She brought me my daughter two years ago. A son, three years before that, she's awesome, and uh, I had no part in it. I mean, like, she she really well, did like, all there the was work. Like, there was like 14 <laughs> seconds, nine months earlier, that I writhed around for like a, a, a minute, and then that was it. 
It's like, hey, you want to see my uh, impression of a dead fish? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you're pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly how it works. <laughs> what about you? What have you guys been up to? Ah, <laughs> uh, not a lot, man. It's been kind of a boring week around my parts. Yeah. To be honest with you. Well, you bought a Barbie. I bought a Barbie. Got yourself a Barbie. Yeah, that's, that's a barbecue. That's a. That's, that's a, the most exciting thing that's happened to Mike's in life the last for the week. past week. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> that's pretty exciting, though. Yeah, you know. Yeah. What about you, Jay? You got anything? Same old, same old, man. Just nice. uh, kicking ass and taking names. <laughs> Kicking ass and smoking grass. And you I haven't taken any names, and I didn't kick any ass this week, so I guess I got some work to do. Did you, uh, you working on any new projects? Oh, just rapping, doing some uh, mixing on a couple different things and tracking some uh, tracking some country. Country. for a guy. Country. Mm-hmm. And uh, had one of my, that, that uh, Jim Buck guy that I did that I had his track on 99.5. He had his uh, track on uh, Port Huron's country station now, too, so that's so kind of cool. Get, oh, he's getting the rotation then. Yeah. Nice, man. Nice. That's cool. Um, well, today, like we said, we're talking about the Alien franchise. We are. And uh, with that in mind, Michael set out to find us a beer to drink. Dude, I was trying to find something. You believe there's nothing, there's no like Xenomorph beer. I figured there'd be something, right? Yeah, you'd think there's so. There's nothing. Well, it's probably hard to get like, I don't know, licensing or something like yeah. that. So we had to go thematic today, not yeah, necessarily. We're going, yeah, we're going with the theme. I'm sure there is an alien beer out there. I mean, this is an alien beer, Listen, kind of, but... Google search usually knows, and there was nothing. Well, we, we drank uh, UFO, Hefeweizen, for our for our, uh, sure, sure. for our UFO episode. I was talking about, like, actually, like, based on the franchise. Yeah. Like, an actual, like, xenomorph alien beer. You would think so. nothing. Or, like, um, like an... Because H.R. Geiger has the Geiger bar. Mm-hmm. Well, he's dead, so he doesn't have it anymore, but um, you'd think that, you know, they would... They would sell some kind of themed beer to go along with the bar. You would think. We got to go to that Geiger bar someday. Yeah. I, it's in Europe, so I'll give you, it'll I'll give, probably never happen. So but. we're we're drinking Cosmic Charles Charlie's Cosmic Charlie's from <laughs> Co- La- Cosmic Charles <laughs> Cosmic Charlie uh, Pale Ale from Latitude Forty Two Brewing Company, out of where? Out of Portage, Michigan. Where is Portage? Portage. Yeah. I don't know. I'm assuming Jay, it's by you... the water somewhere because the word port is in it. No um, clue where it is. Um, I guess yeah, I'll, read, I have, I'll read it this way. I actually have no idea. Or oh, is there something to read on the can? Yep. Uh, we travel the galaxy with our buddy Cosmic Charlie in search of the freshest Cascade and Centennial hops for this Cosmic Pale Ale. Dry hop to perfection to... You're doing good. Ah, I couldn't read it. My eyes like blurred out on me. You're doing awesome. <laughs> uh, uh, where was I at? Hop to perfection to essentiate the piney citrus flavors, and aroma to balance out the dry, malty finish. Oh! Ex- what a long, strange trip it's been. Ex- accentuate. Ex- accentuate. <laughs> to accentuate. Oh, there's my headphones. This is this is literally the tiniest little print that is on here. Oh, Portage is right over by Southwest Nedge Avenue and East Center Avenue. Oh, well, that, yeah. that clears it up. And if you're not familiar with that, it's south of Kalamazoo. Oh, there we go. Yeah, yeah not far. <laughs> cool. Um, well, yeah, this is a, a pale ale. Hey, change your attitude. Drink some latitude, <laughs> and it's got you know it's it's very appropriate. It's oh, got yeah. like you'll see when we post the uh, when we post the pictures online. It's got a picture of a UFO with an alien, with a little alien in there, and a, a dude in a spacesuit kind of floating around drinking a beer. He's drinking a beer, but how how does he actually drink that beer? This kind of fits in with our <laughs> conversation that we had while we were watching Prometheus about like. If you had a smudge on your glasses, oh. but you have that giant helmet on, like how the hell are you or supposed to... Or just a smudge on the inside of the glass. Like, oh, God. <laughs> Let's crack right. this. Ooh. Now, before before we take a sip of this, uh-huh. we also have 
little bit of little bit of vodka. Vodka from it's outer space vodka. It comes in this sweet alien glass. I actually got a. So I figured I got a whole fifth of that for my birthday. I should have brought it. I figured from, we'll do uh, a little nipper of this before we get started too. Huh? From our buddy Greg, gave me a, a fifth of alien. What is it, what's it called? Outer space well, vodka. Outer space vodka. Oh, I thought it was just called alien vodka. And to go along with that, we also have Jim Beam Double Oak Twice Barreled. Guess I'm Ubering home tonight. Yeah, you're taking an Uber, boy. <laughs> All this right, guys. I, we saw this. We saw this at the liquor store a couple days ago, and we figured we had to give it a try. Uh, to Ripley. To Ripley. May she never be cloned again. May she. <laughs> may she not be de-aged either. Oh. Oh, it's good. Yeah. Good alien. That's really good. Yeah. I'm not a huge like I like I lo- I like vodka. Mm-hmm. I'm not like a big drink vodka straight kind of guy though. Ooh, the beer's good oh, too. The beer. Cosmic Charlie. Beer's very good. We didn't even nice cheers you, son oh, of a bitch. Sorry, cheers. Cheers, boys. We are all out of sorts today. <laughs> mm-hmm. That is good. Uh, yes, sir. Really good. Well, right. do you have any corrections from I do. last week? I do. Okay. Um, so we said that Get Out comes out like this month. Uh, Get Out comes out May 23rd. Well, that's so uh, a little, little, little bit off your Well, stuff. in three days, that'll be this month. Because um, it'll be May in three days. It's going to be May. <laughs> Uh, and then also we talked about uh, douchebag Rick Snyder last week. Yeah, and I had mentioned about his wife uh, being on the board of Nestle and all that. Yeah, I was a little bit wrong. It wasn't Snyder's wife. It was <laughs> Snyder's chief of staff. Mm-hmm. His name is Muchmore. I don't know his first name. Last name is Muchmore. <laughs> it's kind of a so cool it, name. It, it's, it's appropriate too. Yeah, it's because it was Snyder's chief of staff's wife who is a lobbyist for Nestle. And when the Flint water crisis happened. He brought up to the state, well, what if we just buy $250,000 worth of bottled water from Nestle to give to the people of Flint? Ah. <laughs> Fucking douchebags. So so how much are you, you going to fuck over the people of Flint? And that's Ice, Wa- uh, and that's Ice Mountain as well. Much more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on. I'm done, guys. I'm done. Come on here. I'll give it to you. Um, well, this isn't a correction, but I, I forgot to bring up last week when we were talking about It Follows that... When I lived with uh, I lived with Adam McMillian, who was the drummer of my band at the time, Search the City, and we started to write. We we were by no means uh, like screenwriters or anything like that, mm-hmm. but we just had this idea for this movie that the working title was called Pacer, and uh, it was the it was it follows. Oh really? Yeah, we had this idea. It was I actually brought it with me because I found it. We had this idea back in two thousand. And we, I mean, I'll show it to you. Did you just dig out your old journals? Yeah, man. It's pretty unimpressive. (laughs) It's like one is that. That's all it is right there. Nice. But this is the story that we laid out. Like, we were... Read it to us right now. Let's do (sighs) it. Seriously? Let's do it. All right, Pacer, here we go. Today I shat myself as... (laughs) Oh, wait, wrong page. Wrong page. (laughs) Dear Diary. Act one, scene one. Okay, so so it was basically... It it wasn't like a screenplay. It was just the ideas that we were writing down. We were just kind of getting them out on paper. So, full moon, medium heavy, wooded area, you hear leaves crunching beneath feet, heavy breathing, a mother is running through the woods holding her child. Uh, she, she stops and, like, hides him in, like, a hollowed out log or something, and then all of a sudden, I'm, I'm, making, I'm making this more brief than it actually is, but, uh, so the pacer, in whatever form it was in, we, we hadn't really hammered that out yet, shows up, uh, kills her. And then the boy is old enough to realize what's going on, and then he realizes that the mom is dead, and now the pacer has set its sights on him. 
so he gets up and he runs. That's the end of that scene. The next scene, you he's at a truck stop and he's all grown up and he's just kind of haggard and like you can tell he's just looks like the type of guy that's on the lamb, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's just sitting like at the truck stop. He's checking his watch constantly and and just looking over his shoulder the whole time. And then uh, he's got like worn clothes and a backpack and stuff. Um, and then this waitress walks up to him. And she hears some truckers talking, like, obscenities and stuff like that. And she says, she says something, like, something to the effect of, ah, oh, these guys, they never stop. And then as soon as, as soon as she says they never stop, it flashes back to his mother saying, they never stop. Ooh. As in, the Pacers will never stop coming after you. And then there was a scene, so- and then there was good. a scene that we hammered out where it was, or we started to hammer out where it was like, he, he was... In a hotel room, because he, you know, he lived in hotels. He lived on the road because he always had to stay one step one ahead. step ahead of this it, thing. So, but at, and he always set the alarm for a certain time. He would work out because he knew that it only walked at a certain speed, and he would set the alarm. But at on this night, there was like a thunderstorm that knocks the power out. So when he wakes up, he just sees the twelve o'clock blinking on the clock, mm-hmm. and then that was going to be like one of the big scares. Like all of a sudden, this thing would come crashing through the window or something. Ooh. Sounds yeah. sounds really good, but it sounds like it follows did it first. <laughs> Two thousand five. I'm going to sue them. I'm going to sue the shit out of them, and then me and Adam are going to go live uh, in Hawaii happily ever after. Just the two of us. Oh, <laughs> I guess I'll marry your wife. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> She'd, she'd probably like you better than me anyway. All right. What do you got for news? Uh, for news, uh, it, I've ke- I kept it pretty thin this week just because we're talking Boom, about it. it's a- the news. Oh, my God. God. We forgot about the news That's intro. all I got then. That's oh. all he's got. Damn. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, get to, uh, we'll get to some other stuff later. But yep. um, actually, oh, shit, we should probably let Jay do this because it might be his last time doing it. Oh, that's true. Jay, you right, wanna, Jay. Jay you want to come up with something real quick? <clears throat> It's time for the news. New news. What? Uh huh. Yo, yo, Adam, check out my beatboxing. That's for you, dog. What? Oh, oh. All right. Well, thank you for that, Jay. That was lovely. Um, yeah, like I said, I kept it pretty thin this week because we're talking about a whole franchise, and we have the uh, uncanny ability to stretch five movies into like 3,500 hours. So um, I don't know how we ever got through the John Carpenter episode. It's yeah, ridiculous. No so uh, with with the the It remake coming out, everybody's really excited about it. Um, they are releasing Pennywise, the story of It, which is a documentary that's going to delve into the original 1990 It, um, directed by Chris Griffiths. And they just released a, a, a short list of what will be expanded upon later of interviews that they're doing for this thing. They've got uh, Ben Heller, who played the young Stanley in the movie, um, Tim Curry, mm-hmm. who played Pennywise, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Aaron Sims, who was the character designer, Bart Mixon, the makeup artist, Tommy Lee Wallace, the director, Brandon Curtis, who played adult Ben, Christopher Adam Farizel, who played young Eddie, Dennis Christopher, who played adult Eddie, uh, Larry D. Cohen, who wrote it, Tim Reed, the adult Mike, and many, many more to come. Nice. So it sounds like, I mean, you know, they I got had... 
they sounds like they got like the whole original cast to come back and do interviews for it. Should be pretty awesome. I had a buddy that just went to go see Tim Curry at uh, at a convention or something. Yeah, uh, I don't know if it was, and he's my buddy's from Grand Rapids. I don't know if 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 that's where he was or not, but um, he said that uh, Mark Curry or Tim, I always say Mark Tim Curry was. Uh, <laughs> I guess he's in pretty bad shape. He could barely talk. He could barely like. Well, cause, but he was still like full of life. Like he well, was for still, people who don't know, he he had a stroke. A really bad stroke. Really yeah. bad stroke, right? But he did. But he did the the Rocky Horror. Uh, yeah, he was the. He did pretty it well. It took the him a long time to to do that. You know. Yeah, they're back, Jay. No, they're okay. back. They're back on. It doesn't we're bother having, me. We're having tech issues. Yeah, I'm here. having some tech we're technical difficulties. But anyway, though, it's it, it's it's good to see him still out doing these things. Yeah, but it's got to be tough for him to. Oh, I'm sure. Keep doing all this. But stuff. he loves it. Yeah. You know, obviously, like he wouldn't. Like, when it, when you're in a situation where it's more difficult to do things, like you you know that the you drives. You, you know bit that you really love it when you're willing to go out and and and, and do it like he is. So that's cool. Absolutely. Uh, anyway, what do you got? Um, so the X-Files has been renewed for season 11. Uh, they ordered 10 new episodes, which is four more than season 10. Mm-hmm. Season 10 was only six. Yeah. So uh, I'm excited for that because they left the uh, the last one on a pretty pretty big cliffhanger. So uh, um, I never watched any of the, the new ones. It was it was, it was was good. So it wasn't all good, but it was mostly good. Have you watched the entire original series? No, I'm about halfway through it. I keep picking it up. And like start stopping it because it's a lot to get through. Right. So I go through it in, in phases. I'm like halfway through it though. Yeah. Um, and then also uh, we got news that Jeff Goldblum is returning as Doctor Ian Malcolm in Jurassic World oh, Two. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. Yes. Now do you think that was? Uh, I mean, because there seemed to be a lot of people who were kind of bummed out that he wasn't in the first Jurassic World. No, I I, I think that it's fine that Jurassic World did its own thing before. You know, really merging the two series together. Even though uh, there's parts in that movie where they got the old jeeps and they went to the old part of the park. Yeah. So it's, it's very much alive in spirit. But I think it's good that they did their own thing first, as far as you know, actor-wise. Yeah, oh, yeah. for sure. And then start bringing the people back in. Right. Um, it's sort of like a reverse Star Wars. You know, the Force Awakens brought all their heavy hitters back for that movie, and then now the next movie coming in, you know, it's more the new cast and everything. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, but uh, but yeah. Um, I'm Cool. You got anything um, else? I, I, uh, I didn't Silence, really write anything else down here. Silence of the Lambs director Jonathan Dem passed away. Oh, really? Yeah, passed away. I think it was today. Uh, th- this morning. We're recording this on Thursday. Um, so, yeah, I think it was this morning the news broke on that. Um, I didn't see what the cause was, just yeah. that he had passed. So, Do you know how old he was? He was 71, I think. Oh, so, so still relatively I think, young. No, you know what? That might be a correction. I didn't write down his age. I should have. Um Unbreakable and Split sequel gets a name and a release date. So January 18th, 2019, we're looking at the movie is called Glass will be released. Mm. Uh, in in reference, obviously, to Samuel L. Jackson's character, yes. right? Uh, and then all the major stars are returning. You got Bruce Willis, Sam Jackson, everybody from Split. Like Everybody from both, from both movies are going to be coming back. Um, if you haven't seen Split... Uh, and then we just pretty much gave away the twist ending. <laughs> but uh, at well, this point, I haven't seen it either. But like at at this at this point, like knows, everybody yeah. knows that they already released they they released that as a, not released, but like that comes into play at the end of Split. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, unfortunately, that's something that was spoiled for me. But I don't, I don't know. I'm I'm not really like I'm not upset by spoilers very often. You know. Yeah. Yep. Unless it like really 
completely changes the course of your viewing experience. Which this one doesn't though, because it, it, I don't think that it has much to do with the full story. Because this was just it was like a, a after credit scene, I'm pretty sure. Right. Or at least like the last five minutes of the movie uh -huh. after the movie had wrapped up. So doesn't really give necessarily anything away as far as that's that's concerned. Just that's to avoid wrong. a correction, Jonathan Dem was 73. 70, I just looked it up. <laughs> so, rest in peace, sir. Yes, sir. All right, I think that takes us out of the news. Oh, cool. That's Boom, the news. That was the news. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Jay. <laughs> was a quick one. Stepping on your toes. Um, well, did you uh, did you watch anything other I, than I did alien movies? I did, and I don't know how to approach this. Yeah. Um. <laughs> was it the tape that you found in your dad's tool shed? Uh, um, Big Bosom Hookers 4 was... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Big Bosom Hookers 4. <laughs> Only the best. Nice. Um, no, okay, so Shudder, as we talk about periodically here, uh, they get uh, exclusive movies, and typically speaking, Shudder is curated to the best of, you know, best of what horror has to offer. Mm -hmm. So I saw this movie on there called We Are the Flesh. And I was judging a book purely by its cover. And I'm like, this looks really cool, right? The poster for it looked cool. The uh, the trailer for it looked pretty messed up. And I like a good psychological messed up movie. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a, it, the, basically what I knew about it going in was that it was about... Uh, these this brother and sister they they're basically like homeless and they come across this crazy guy and the crazy guy lets them live there as long as they do what he says and he's like depraved they have to do these 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 crazy just like like unthinkable things it's 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 really sexual it's sounds really fair enough. like it's it's one of those like weird it's a fair trade yeah right it's, <laughs> it sounded like like a new age exploitation movie and i like exploitation movies but this is in a category that like movies like salo or 120 days of sodom or a serbian film two movies that i've never felt the need to actively pursue right you know i know what they're about i just I don't feel like I'm less of a horror fan for not seeing them. Let me ask you this before you before you move on, just with with that in mind, because uh, I haven't seen a Serbian film in its entirety. I've seen parts of it. Okay, but a lot of people say like the uh, I've, I've not seen a Serbian film. So if you're gonna ask me about it, well, I, I'm just uh, you know the content though. Sure, you know some sure. of the content. Some people say that a Serbian film is so over the top that it's almost uh, it's almost satirical. Well then, well then, if that's the case, then then we are the flesh is even more impactful uh, because it's because it's just so unnerving and repulsive and and vile. Quite frankly, some of the things that happen in it, I don't want to say stuff because I don't want to give. If you're into this kind of thing, I don't want to necessarily give the shocking parts away. Mm -hmm. um, but there are things where when I was watching it. I mean, you know me. I don't shy away from stuff. Right. I literally had to watch some of the stuff with my peripherals <laughs> because I, I just could not look at what was going on. Like I, it was it was that vile. Like what was what was happening. Really. Um, like you know, and, and at a certain point, you st I stop watching with my peripherals and I'm just glued to the screen. And you know, like when you stare at something and the whole background just goes black because you're just focusing. You're not really watching anything in particular. You're just kind of absorbing what's in front of you. That's what I found myself doing watching this movie. Like I was just, it, I was, it was in front of me and I was just taking it in. 
but I was, but I didn't know what to do with it. Like, it, it's, and this, it, this is coming from a guy that gets his kicks from mostly scat porn. So, <laughs> well, no, you know, no, like it was really, it was a trip watching this. Really? Like, I and I wasn't prepared for. It. You need to kind of like, like put your mental armor on before you watch a film like this. You and and I would recommend anybody who's interested in it, do yourself a favor, and look up a review online and know what you're getting yourself into before you watch it. Yeah. I hope I'm not overselling it, but like it's, it's pretty, it's pretty fucked up. Yeah. Um, you know, well, I was, uh, after you told me that you watched it, I, I went, uh, I just went to the IMDB page mm-hmm. and I, I read uh, like a random fact or maybe it was in a review or something. And it said that it, uh, this movie was one of only a few that earned, a certain rating. I don't know the, what the rating system well, it was, is. It was not rated the one on Shutter. Uh, it says it says NR next to it. So well, but it was it was rated like rated. Where, where's it from? It was rated. It said Mexico. It, it said it was rated D, which is typically the rating that they uh, that they reserve for pornography. Well, well, it's funny you mentioned that. There is there is straight up oral sex in this movie. Yeah. There is straight up penetrative sex in this movie. Yeah. It's, and, and, uh, and, and. So it is a porn. It's, basically. It's, it's, <laughs> Except it's I, art. That's the thing. It, it's, it's an art house shocker. It really right, is. Right, like, yeah. foreign art house shocker movies are insane. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, and, and I've noticed this too, when we watched Mexico Barbaro, there's something about Mexican, um, me- not Mexican filmmaking, but this, 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 this Mexican I don't know, like mindset maybe. In Mexico Barbaro, there was a lot of really fucked up sexual things in it. Yeah. There and, and and from everything that I was reading today about it, because I'll be honest with you, I'm not all that well versed in in Mexican cinema and and Mexican culture and all that stuff. I, you know, I, I'm just not. And so when I was reading, because I found myself having to look stuff up to have this make some sort of sense to me. Really. I had to. Really. Because I I just to feel better or something about what I was watching, and um. It, it it seems as though there's a quote from from uh, producer Julio Chavamontes. I'm sure I said that wrong, but um, it explain it goes on to explain that there's no other way to respond to the senseless atrocities that scream to us from every newsstand in a country ruled by violence. In a country ruled by violence, the artist cannot help it if his visions are mad, incomprehensible, and drenched in blood. So this is it's very much uh, it's like an art installation on the state of Mexican life yeah you know there's always just terrible things happening and like this it's kind of like the this guy this is his debut film too hell of a fucking debut (laughs) but it's basically it's like him just taking everything that he feels and just like this is how fucked up everything is really um and yeah there's just there's just some crazy stuff um no horandas plays the creepy old not yeah creepy old guy that the the kids wander into Mm -hmm. he is spellbinding if there's one thing that I, if there's to get the, like his performance, no, literally his performance is is hypnotic. There's there's times when he's completely centered in fr- in the frame, and he's he's staring the camera directly down the center, and he's like stares into your soul watching it, mm-hmm. and he's so maddeningly crazy that you can't help but like be hypnotized by it. Like it's 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 huh. incredible. I've never seen anything like it. Honestly, God, like, um, and then Maria Ivoli, who plays the sister, mm-hmm. she has an intensely difficult part to play. Yeah. Acting wise. Right. Uh, really difficult. And she is just like ironclad in her performance. 
Um, and then aside from that, you find with a lot of these like disgusting movies, like a Serbian film, people say a lot of stuff like this. Mm-hmm. It's beautifully shot. Yeah. It is gorgeous. This movie. Yeah. Uh, the cinematography is is something to behold. Honest to God, it is. And it's this weird juxtaposition of the most just just this you're this you're looking at debauchery mm-hmm. and it's gorgeous all the, it's this weird juxtaposition of uh, i don't know it's just bizarre um so what is it what is it that makes you say like you don't know if you can really recommend because this i don't movie, think then? most people can handle watching what is in this movie well i mean no, honestly God, i don't think can like even horror fans seasoned horror fans i don't think like like it's funny i was thinking about this when you go like a lot of the, the horror fans who sign up for shutter or whatever right yeah they're, they're horror fans. They like the Chucky movies. They like your cult movies, your B movies, whatever, right? I don't even think your standard horror fan searches out things like this. Yeah. This is for a very p- specific group of, of horror fans. Yeah. Um, and exploitation fans and, and shock cinema fans. Like, I don't think that even your, your garden variety horror fan really is prepared to... I don't know. It's just fucked up, man. I mean, it's such a fucked up he movie. Was t- he, you texted me about it today, and I and I said, all you're doing is making me want to see it. Because I'm, I'm, he wouldn't really, Mike wouldn't really tell me anything about the movie. He would just be like, it was so messed up that there were certain parts I had to watch like out of my periphery. And I was like, I, I kind of need to see it now. Yeah. <laughs> like, you're just like, making me interested in what it is, and, and if I, it's truly that messed up. And who knows? For for all I know, somebody could be listening to this, watching, go, oh, it wasn't that bad. If that's the case, then you got some problems. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I If I sound like I'm falling over my words, it's because I was telling telling you guys, I don't didn't know how to approach this when trying to explain what it was that I saw. Like, <laughs> it's one of those just weird mind fuck things yeah sounds like exactly how i felt when you're like don't watch two guys one hammer and i watched two guys oh, one hammer geez. and i didn't know what i was getting into and i was like ah! i would say yeah. well it's not as bad as that because that's real but <laughs> um we'll see so i've watched that i mean yeah. like would i be able to watch this movie and, but i don't know i don't even want to get know. into that <laughs> put, it this way, put it this way i don't think that you should watch it if you don't know what you're watching mm-hmm. put it that way if you look it up and you think that i can you can handle it then by all means watch it it's a gorgeous movie, but like, with all the penetration, just know, <laughs> just know, and even that scene is weird, man. Like it's <laughs> weird, man. We need to move on. We need all to right, move on. yeah. Let's, we let's are, talk about we something are the else. Flash. Um, that's all I can say. Give it, a, <laughs> get, give it a give it an honest rating out of ten. I don't know that I can. Just rate do it. it. I, <sighs> and. D- We'll get back to it. Come back to me at the end of the episode. Really? I'll think about it. Yeah, honestly, God, I don't know how to rate it because it's 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 not the kind of... That's why it was unrated. <laughs> because you can't rate this movie. Well, it's um, a completely different kind of rating. I know, I know, I know. You jackass. Well, I'll, I'll, then I'll, I'll judge it on its merits. It's beautifully shot. It's extremely well acted. And the subtext is extremely powerful. Mm-hmm. So... 9 out of 10. Really? Like it like it it really is what it is this and it's is, perfect for what it is. This is weird. I got to I, I, I got to watch it now. I know. Yeah. You're watching that that scene comes up you're like am I supposed to touch myself during this? <laughs> oh, speaking of, speaking <laughs> of that I think it's pornography but I'm not sure. Speaking so of that the, main, the creepy old guy at one point in time reaches down and just starts flapping around the kid's dick. No. Oh. Like how do you act ask an actor to do that? 
Now, I want you to reach down and just fiddle this junk a little bit. You just get one of those uh, airport TSA guys that do all the pants. <laughs> hey, they're used yeah, to that. If you yeah, sure, I'll do it. If you have, if you have uh, a thing against seeing dicks, you don't want to watch this movie. That's there are there are so many <clears throat> dicks in it, and the most the most zoomed in shot of a vagina that I've ever seen in a released movie. <laughs> like, I it's that's the, that's the thing is like why why does. Why is it so shocking? Like I know that the the actual uh, like the 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 mood of the content is much different than watching like a porn. Oh but yeah. Why is like if somebody's if somebody sees a dick in a in a movie in a rated R movie they're like oh my god it's a dick and then they turn <laughs> around and go jack off to a porno it's like what it, what's the difference it's you're like looking that, at it's like that Ron Moit joke you ever heard that before yes yeah. <laughs> No, I know. Yeah, let let me ask you a question. When you're watching uh, porn, do you like only lesbian porn? Well, no, I like watching a man make love to a woman. Well, do you want your man to have like a tiny little floppy? No, I want the guy to have a big, huge. (gasps) I did not know that about myself. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's I see. I don't get like, but I it it must be the the context, you know. But it is it is yeah for some reason it is shocking when. when there's well i think when you're watching porn too though you go into it knowing what you're gonna see yeah when you're watching a movie when when suddenly you have this giant dick like for me literally three feet away from my my face like <laughs> come, come over to my house we'll watch it in 3d <laughs> oh my god it's like it's right there oh it's gonna be the worst movie ever to watch in 3d i'm thinking of certain shots oh, oh my, okay let's move on let's talk about aliens all right that brings us to the tofu the tofu <laughs> Um, actually, worst segue ever. <laughs> well, uh, actually, before we do that, um, we were running a contest over the last. Oh week. shit! That's right. And uh, I think we should pick a winner right now. I think that we should too, because that's fun. We've got a nice little bundle uh, put together. It's um, it follows on Blu-ray. Yes. Because we just talked about it last week. We've got uh, a movie that Mike produced. Okay, yeah, a movie called Anthology of Terror. It's an anthology movie of that, terror. Of terror. <laughs> uh, it's, an, it's an anthology movie that we uh, that we filmed in the that church that I always talk about. We yeah. filmed part of it there. Uh, I wanted to include the zombie movie. I know that the last episode I said that I was going to try to put that in there. I can't track down a copy of it. The copy that I thought I had, I think elusive. I gave it away. I know. I fucked that one up. You can actually get it on Amazon. I looked it up. You can. Yeah. Zombie so, Apocalypse. <laughs> or you can watch it on uh, Voodoo. We, we hawk this terrible movie all the time. <laughs> it's really awful. Uh, and then uh, also in Ocean recording koozie beer koozie beer koozie thanks to uh, Jay Raj and then also we have uh, a pint glass from the actual Atwater Brewery that you can only get at the brewery Mike went in and said give me a pint of your finest lager and then he stole stole the the glass glass. (laughs) that's not true no this is actually it's a um, it's a vanilla java porter glass that's what they had at the brewery the brewery changes their glasses all the time yeah they kind of rotate them in and out the one they had now was a vanilla java porter glass uh, from the Atwater Brewery in Mm Ghost Point and uh, there you go yeah so So, uh, so, uh, between Horror Amino uh, Twitter Twitter and and, and, uh, Instagram Instagram and a few on Facebook we had about a hundred entrants and uh, now let's go over the rules again it was you get a a one entry for every like for the post. Mm-hmm. You got two entries for a like and a repost. Yeah. And three entries for a like, a repost, and if you tagged a friend. Yeah. So Whoa. some so some people have some better better chances here. That's true. But That's uh, true. so we have all the names in a hat, and we're gonna pick one out right now. Hey right. Jay, you hear this? Yes. Do you have a drum roll for me? Uh, hear this? Let's see. All right. Let me see this. All right. You pick. 
All right. Okay, I got right, the name. And the lucky winner of the Buzzed Kill Bundle is Freak Feynman. Ooh. Freak Feynman. Um, I think if I'm not mistaken, that's a horror amino winner. Did you not write it down on the piece of paper? <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I probably should have. Well, Freak Feynman, we will find you. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm almost certain because I've, I've seen that name on our on our horror amino okay. before, so I'm, I'm almost certain that's a... I'll look it up in a minute just to make sure. Okay. But yeah, congratulations to Freak Feynman. You got some goodies headed your way. We will be sending you a message via wherever you are. <laughs> we will get your address. And, snail uh, mail. It's coming now, snail now, mail. In the event that we that we pick a winner and we don't hear back from them, then I guess we'll pick another one. Yeah, we'll pick another one. And uh, we'll keep doing that until someone says they want our shit. Well, somebody <laughs> says they love us, damn it. All right, so. now we can head into the tofu. Let's yes. talk about some alien movies. All right, let's do it. All right. Why don't you kick it off with the first alien movie from 1979? I've never seen it. Oh, oh okay. Well, I'll kick it off then. <laughs> uh, alien from 1979 was directed by Ridley Scott, uh, written by Dan O'Bannon. Dan O'Bannon! Which is uh, drink twice. <laughs> <laughs> That's from a different episode. You might not get it. Uh, the synopsis for this particular movie is uh, a commercial crew aboard the deep space towing vessel Nostromo is on its way home when they pick up an SOS warning from a distant moon. Uh, what they don't know is that the SOS warning is not like any other ordinary warning call. Picking up the signal, the crew realizes that they are not alone on the spaceship when an alien stowaway is on the cargo ship. All right, I'm willing to bet that 98% of our listeners Listener. have seen Alien. If you yeah. haven't, you're, you're, you're life and wrong. I don't know. Your don't life. Know, I don't, oh, I, you're lifing wrong. You're lifing. You're lifing wrong. <laughs> doing life. I don't know wrong. what led to this point in your life where you haven't seen Alien yet. But yeah. um, do yourself a favor. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Th- what can you say? What can you say about Alien that hasn't been said? It's it's a masterpiece. Well, I mean, we we should probably say some things because that's why we have a show. Shit. To say. I, I did not think this through. I didn't either. I thought you were going <laughs> to carry this part. Um, no, it's uh, this movie. It, I'm I'm gonna just mention real quick that there are people who are alien people. It seems like there there's kinda kinda split down the middle. There's people who are alien people and mm-hmm. then there are people who are aliens people. Yes. There's also people who are alien three people. Well, it's a it's a small yeah. little community of people, but we'll, we'll talk there. about those people when um, we do. So I uh, Well you did a you did a, a Twitter post and I think the majority of people said alien. Yeah, absolutely. Like that's what they prefer. You're right, I forgot about it. Let me uh let me look up the why don't you talk about the movie yeah. for a second? I'm going to look up the results of our Twitter uh, Al- poll. So Alien came out in 1979. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time that it was released, there, I don't think there's anything like this out. Like that, Mick, that had this like the, the the surrealism and the the suspense that Alien had. Uh, that, well, there there was like straight up sci-fi, and then there was horror. There wasn't there wasn't a ton bridging the gap. No, you know? not not a whole. I mean, I'm sure they they were there, but yeah, like it sure. wasn't. Um, but this this movie. Did it the best. It absolutely did and the it, best. And this this was kind of the jumping off point for a, a a lot more like just straight up horror sci-fi that came after it. Absolutely. And there's so many different like a lot of movies tried to copycat the alien recipe, if you will, and like try to make their own versions of it. None of them worked anywhere near as good as as Alien. Right. It, it's 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 I don't know it's 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 weird it's weird to talk about a movie that everybody loves so much I don't think I've ever talked to a single person that didn't like Alien mm-hmm. you know so it's 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 tough to try to describe it in anything other than just saying I love it you should love it too 
Um, well, well, to uh, to get into that, what do you love about this movie? I love the atmosphere. Like the atmosphere yes. that this movie sets up is almost unlike anything else because you have like usually when you when you have this ensemble piece because the first alien Sigourney Weaver. Uh, who is the star of pretty much the whole Alien franchise, mm-hmm. um, she did not have top billing. She was just one of the cast. It was an ensemble piece. Right. And and it's one of it's one of those few ensemble pieces that actually feels legit. Like, the people that were living in this small space aboard this space freighter, like, the, you, it looked, the, the, the atmosphere was grungy. The place, the, the spaceship looked lived in. It looked like these people actually had relationships with each other. Right, it looked like a cargo ship. Yeah, it Which really did. Exactly like, there was, what it was. There was nothing spectacular about it. There was nothing, even though it was this super in the future spaceship saga, it looked just as dingy as like an old Ford Focus. You know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it just it had that look to it that was very familiar. My even though old it was, Ford Focus. Yes, I loved that car. Um, like, yeah, it was, the atmosphere of this movie is is second to none, it, and it just, it works on such a such a deep level. That you invest yourself in the characters almost immediately. Right. There's almost no buildup because it's just, it's so organic. The whole entire like chemistry between the people. Um, speaking of billing, top billing and whatnot, uh, just a, a few of the the more uh, recognizable cast members from from this movie. You had Tom Skerritt, who played Dallas. He was the like captain of the ship. Mm-hmm. Um, Sigourney Weaver obviously plays Ellen Ripley. Um, Harry Dean Stanton. Mm-hmm. Played played Brett. He didn't play. I mean, it was more of a supporting role. But I I just feel the need to bring him up because I love Harry Dean Stanton. He's always he's always a a fun face to see in a movie. John Hurt, who played Kane. Rest in peace. <laughs> rest in peace, indeed, in both the movie and in life. Um, he he's got probably the most uh, iconic like the. The most iconic part, the most iconic iconic scene from the original Alien mm-hmm. was portrayed by John Hurt. Oh, Which absolutely. Was, you know, he was also... It, there There really was no lead and supporting cast. Like, it was kind of like... Because it was an ensemble. But yeah, was, like you said, it was an ensemble. And, like, you cared about every single character. And, and they and they gave you... Although they didn't give you backstories on every character, they, they spent time on every single character. Enough time to where you got to know their personalities. Mm-hmm. And like how they operated, and I thought that was really cool. There was um, um, there was a scene in the original screenplay that uh, that that uh, Ridley Scott wanted to do, uh, and he bas- he wanted to have Sigourney Weaver's character and um, uh, the captain. God, my can't. Uh, Tom Tom Scarrett. Dallas. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, he wanted the two of them to have some sort of a sexual relationship, not because not not because he wanted to have like a sex scene in it, but he wanted to show like what people do in seclusion. Like right. people need accompaniment people need you know togetherness um and it's funny because the studio didn't let him do it but then fast forward to prometheus and charlie's thrones character and the captain of that ship play out that scene exactly years later uh ridley scott finally got his scene that (laughs) that he couldn't do but we'll we'll, we'll get there later and that a similar that similar type of scene plays out in other alien movies Um, sort of yeah yeah in Alien um, Three, it does. Yeah, which we'll we'll get we'll to, get but uh, yeah, like you said, the atmosphere of this movie, like they, uh, this movie had an, an atmospheric feel that was not ever harnessed by any other installment. No, well, like that's it, the thing, but and that's another thing about the Alien movies is that every installment 
is it's is completely it's different. completely own movie and it's yeah. completely different tonally. I love that about it. Um, this one for me, like if you're if you're if you're gonna get right down to if you're an alien or aliens person, I I think I'd fall into the alien category. Mm-hmm. I don't. It was just I, I hate to sound redundant, but it was the atmosphere. Like it was kind of it was it's 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 a slow burn movie. Like you really don't see what's well, suspense. The like xenomorph just... for quite a while, like at least an hour into the movie or something like that. I, I mean, you see it. the face, the face hugger and stuff like that. But like just the whole. Um, I mean, obviously, the this planet that they land on, it's just this completely hostile environment, which is creepy to begin with. But then once their kind of, their search party ventures out and they find the uh, the old alien ship mm-hmm. sitting there, and when they get into that, like it's just the whole the whole thing. It, the, nothing is happening, but it's just so tense when they're walking through and. Like I said, nothing's really happening. They're just kind of walking through, but it's the environment and the atmosphere that they that Ridley Scott set up in this movie that just it just works. Yeah. You know? To to add to that, uh, one of the things that I another thing that I love in in addition to the atmosphere is that the the silence in this movie is deafening. Mm-hmm. Like you hear every creak of the ship, you hear every breath, you hear because there's no music. Right. Um. Uh, Ridley Scott actually cut out most of a lot of the music that was scored like it's funny if you listen to the alien soundtrack there's there's tons of of scores that you just don't recognize from the movie because they're not there because you cut them out Mm -hmm. they're made for the movie but they're just not in there um i wonder i've never actually read anything about it but was the was the composer upset about he was at odds he was at odds with them yeah yeah and that's one of the re- like so because he wanted there Ridley Scott wanted there to be silence like he wanted it it's so claustrophobic this movie you know, um, and from what from what I had read too is the sets that were built. When you walked on set, it was like you're in a completely different space because that entire ship was built. Really? Together, like you could walk through the entire ship. Everything was built on a massive soundstage. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. Like you walk in, you're just in a completely different world. Well, and it's it's funny that you you, you say like it it's claustrophobic and it, and it actually it absolutely was, which is funny because when they cut to exterior shots of the this cargo ship. It's actually a huge ship. Oh, it's massive. It's massive, but like what they're able to accomplish as far as like making you feel confined mm-hmm. within the shots, which, you know, that's how, not that I've ever been on a spaceship, but that's how spaceships, when you see like uh, pictures. Or have you? Or have I? <laughs> uh, when you see like shots from inside the International Space Station and mm-hmm. stuff. That's a massive thing too, but and it looks tiny. But yeah, it's just it these like they, tiny it, little it corridors like that are just big enough for like a couple humans to move through. Yep, very so, claustrophobic. So, I, very like nail on the head as far as that kind of stuff goes. Well, you had brought up the actual alien itself, and uh, one, and, and you said that they didn't show it a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, they show it for something like five minutes total time for that's the it. entire movie. The entire movie, and Excuse that's me. that's what I really loved about it. Like it, it, you only see it when it. When matters. you when you need to see it and when yeah. it matters and it's and it's most effective in that way. I know that Ridley Scott had wanted to um, to focus on close-ups because he didn't want to show the rest of the body because he didn't want it to look human. Right. He wanted it to look like nothing that you had ever seen before. Mm-hmm. There are a few shots of the alien's full body, like really quick when it's like dropping down or right. it's jumping up from somewhere. And unfortunately, you can see that it is in like the shape of a human. Now right. they corrected that in future installments, but for the first movie, you know, I think the budget was only like the budget wasn't that 
big from my understanding. I don't, at least I don't think that it was. Um, but like, it, it's weird because it, you see this like human shaped body with this crazy looking alien head. Right. And the few times that I saw that, it took me out of it a little bit because I'm so used to seeing the aliens from Aliens that look incredible mm -hmm. like full body everything's amazing um other than that though i mean the the special effects in uh, in alien were done by a guy named carlo ram carlo rambaldi i don't know if i'm saying his name right mm -hmm. um but uh he was known he's known for doing the effects in et uh obviously alien he did the 70s king kong he worked on dune he did close encounters of the third kind so this guy's got a a pedigree. Yeah. Right? He he knows what he's doing. It's funny. He started his he uh early on in his career in 1971, he did a, a film for Lucio Fulci. And uh Fulci went to court over it, over animal cruelty charges because what? they thought they actually like 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 killed a dog in the movie. What it movie? looked so real. I don't I don't know the name of it. I just uh I didn't write the name down. I oh. could look it up later, but, um, but yeah, it's just kind of funny. Like, this guy knows what he's doing. Like, he created effects that were so good that people legitimately thought that an animal had died. Well, kind of like so. This uh, guy like, knows like, what he's doing. Like Cannibal Holocaust. Very <laughs> similar. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, like the, the effects, the aliens in this movie are are incredible. Like they're so, they're they're they're. I don't think in, in 1979, I'm hard pressed to say that they've anyone had ever seen anything like that as mm -hmm. far as like this a, a scary alien is concerned. Well, I think I mean a lot of it comes from the design, Absolutely. That, that H.R. Geiger design. And if you don't know anything about H.R. Geiger, uh, he's an he's an artist, but his artiste. Art, he's an artiste. He was an artiste, <laughs> um, but he uh, he designed the xenomorphs. And like, I, I the, the 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 design to me is brilliant. If you look at a lot of his other artwork, it's very similar, but it's like, it's it's, it's this weird mixture of organic, with almost mechanical. Mm -hmm. Because that actually comes into play quite a few times in the franchise, where, uh, the xenomorph is right in the frame. You're staring right at it, but you don't know it because mm -hmm. when they kind of curl up in a ball, they just they just sort of blend in with the these uh like the shapes of the ships yeah like the like the wires and the and like uh, yeah like the other mechanical features of the ship and that's what i've always thought was really cool is the fact that they they almost kind of look like you know organic machines in speaking a way. of speaking of the ship um when i was watching this i, I hadn't seen it in a few years so as, as i'm rewatching it i noticed like i'm so happy that the alien ship in this movie does not look like it was built by humans. It looks completely alien. Right. Everything about it. You watch a lot of science fiction movies, and the spaceships look like, oh, well, a human can drive this. Clearly, it's, you know, must have been somebody with two hands and feet, and, like, you know what I'm saying? It, it seems very human, the, the design, even though they're supposed to be alien. This like, one? Like, independent, not at like all. Independence Day, exactly. when they get into the alien spaceship. And it's got and a cockpit just... and a control stick, right. and, like, <laughs> yeah, it's like, come on. Um, but, yeah, like in, in this movie, though, like, like the the space jockey, the way that they they drive the ship, yeah, is so bizarre. Like, I've, no, there's nothing like that in any other movie that I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just so cool. And, and you're talking about the shapes of the ship. The interior of the ship looks like an alien. Yeah, like it looks. It's it's all matte black, and like it's got crevices everywhere, and like it almost it looks, looks like, like it the makeup looks of like the alien. An, it almost looks like an exoskeleton. Yeah, that's it's a very good way of saying it. Which is uh, yeah, just amazing. And like I said, that's all. 
And H then, H R Geiger's artwork. If you look at his artwork, I mean, it's, it's very phallic. It is exactly. <laughs> it is. It is very sexual, like a very um, sexually suggestive. Yeah. Not even suggestive in some cases. Oh, like no, in, in no. some cases, it's literally just like a human being with a giant cock for a head, like entering into a giant vagina. Or it's like <laughs> I call this one vagina spread open. <laughs> there he has artwork that literally is just that. <laughs> it's art, damn it. <laughs> um, um yeah, so um I like I said I I I kind of feel like I kind of feel like I'm in the alien boat as far as my favorite goes. Mm-hmm. For another reason too, I I kind of gravitate toward the installments in this franchise where there's one single alien. Yes. I agree with uh, you that those are the better ones. I mean, it's like like uh, like aliens was scary because there's a countless number of them just coming at them oh, yeah. at all the times. Hordes. Like you have, yeah, you have no idea how many are really coming at you. That's scary, but there's something even more scary about just this lone wolf alien hiding out on a ship and just. Uh, it, it, in a way that it makes them seem more intelligent. Well, it's all- because they're they're waiting and they're watching and they're like they're picking the right times to to come in and mm-hmm. attack. Whereas if you have a horde of aliens, they can just they can just pounce yeah. and there's well, nothing you can do because too, it's numbers. With a horde of aliens or a horde of anything for that matter, you can see them coming. It's a horde. They're right. huge. Yeah. One single one, especially in a ship like that, you don't know. That thing could be anywhere. You know, yeah. like yep. it, it's it's it's. It, it its need to survive has a lot to do with it not being seen. Right. So it's like a stealth hunter at that point. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's way more creepy. Before we move on to aliens, though, I do want to talk about um, one of the things I love about every single one of these movies is their use of androids. Yeah. And in Alien, we have uh, Ian Holm, who most people would know as Bilbo Beggins. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he plays the resident android synthetic uh, Ash, robot. Right? As, yeah, yeah. Ash in this. He has one of the coolest death scenes. Yeah. And, and it holds up, uh-huh. too. Um, like, when he goes, like, fucking berserk after uh, he gets hit in the back of the head with, like, a fire extinguisher or whatever it is. And he just starts thrashing around. Oh, my. It's like a machine with crazy impulses. And it, it's done so well. Yeah, like, his, his like, internal uh, mechanisms are just firing because they're damaged. Yeah. And so he's just, like spinning and like throwing his limbs all around and, and shit like they, and, and puking milk <laughs> puking milk yes um funny story about that milk but i'll get to that in aliens it was actually jizz damn That's, he gave it away <laughs> sorry. he just gave it away sorry sorry <laughs> um yeah no like uh he you totally threw me off with the jizz oh sorry go ahead <laughs> um every night in my dreams <laughs> i don't <laughs> um no like uh uh his death, his death, like holds up so well from from a from a special effects standpoint yeah. that it's believable. Like it really is. There's a couple, There's one scene where they go from a prosthetic head to his real head, and it's really right. obvious. Yeah. They probably should have put a buffer in between those two scenes, and they didn't. <laughs> that looks a little bit cheesy, but um, I mean, it stands to reason though that if you like, if you have a if you have a very advanced android, uh, that's essentially alive, and if you knock its block off. I for some reason if it's nice killer clowns reference. <laughs> what are you gonna do? Knock, knock my block off. <laughs> if it's uh, if it's disconnected from the rest of the computer, like maybe some of the facial muscle muscles would like atrophy or something. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it, it it seems 
it seems like it explains itself away. One of the, one of the things that I do love though is that in every movie, the alien, the, the android does seem to get decapitated somehow. Yeah, and it, and it, and they can still perform all of their functions perfectly fine without the rest of their body. And it makes me wonder why do they have a rest of their body? <laughs> just because it's awesome, I guess. Um, <laughs> um, anyway, though, in in this movie though, I, I just want to get to my point. In this movie. They hide the fact that he is an android for a very long time. Right. And I paid attention when I was rewatching it. If you watch the scenes play out, you can absolutely tell that when something big is going down, Ash is sort of in the back just sitting there watching. Yeah. And you can see him processing what's going on in the chestburster scene. It's almost like he knows it's going to happen. He's watching and he's totally calm and it's like he's waiting for it to happen. And then when it does... He jumps into action as though he's trying to help. But right. he knows damn well exactly what is happening. Yeah. You later find out that he's part of obviously, the Wayland Corporation and all that stuff. But right. like, and it's fascinating because you would never notice that from watching it. He seems completely human. That performance is fantastic. Yeah. So good. Yeah, he was really good. Um, my my final point, just to... Uh, I, we can kind of let this transition into Aliens, mm -hmm. was... Another reason I love this movie is it's really like there's it's it's kind of vague like you don't know you don't know where the aliens came from you don't know why they're there what they're mm -hmm. doing what their ultimate goal is and my I guess I'm I guess I'm kind of wondering is uh do you think that when they when they made this movie do you think that they had a franchise in mind they couldn't. You know they I couldn't know. possibly know how successful the movie was going to be, but it it works in every way to well, create a franchise. When when Alien was being pitched around, when Dan O'Bannon drink Brandon. drink, <laughs> <laughs> when Dan O'Bannon wrote the story, you would know him. He did that Dark Star movie with John Carpenter, mm -hmm. which is essentially where Alien came from. Right. It's, it was basically the the fourth or fifth draft of what Dark Star was supposed to be, and when he was shopping it around, all the major studios passed. Mm-hmm. And everyone, and he was basically going to make it as a Roger Corman movie. Like Roger Corman was was gonna finance it and make it, and then suddenly it just kind of blew up into this this big thing. And obviously, and we all know what happened from there. Uh, but no, I don't think that it was intent intended to be that. Maybe see. So I kind of I really like that in a way. Like if they if they never really intended it to be a franchise, I kind of love that they they left the xenomorph character as a complete mystery. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like this Absolutely. movie, if 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 no other alien movie was ever made after this, this movie would be amazing, even with all the mystery. Like it's, a lot of a lot of times, like you'll have movies where there's not a lot of expose on the uh, on on certain characters, and people will get done with the movie and they'll be like, "Well, what the fuck? Like, who was that? And why were they there?" Mm -hmm. You don't really do that with this movie because everything you need to know is there. And your imagination can kind of do the rest. Absolutely, and it's kind of like in, you know in real life. If you have, if you're, if you are somebody, if you're one of your loved ones is the victim of a, a senseless random murder or something like that, mm. you, the loved ones, you're always going to be wondering why did it happen. You have no answers. Like it's, it's just one of those mysteries. Like you just, you just don't know. And it makes that story even more tragic. You Absolutely. Know? Like okay. there's this entire crew that's wiped out, and they're they've all got families back on yeah. Earth, and and nobody will ever know what happened to them. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. So if Alien, they're all sci-fi, obviously, but if Alien to me is like the horror slasher movie mm -hmm. of of the series, I say slasher because you have your antagonist and he picks them off one by one. 
like the stock, and, there, like and there's the even stock a and final girl kinda. at the end. Right. It's it's a slasher movie. It sure. really is. Yeah. It's a space slasher. Absolutely. So if that's what Alien is, Aliens is the the balls out action movie. action movie, like straight up, completely right. different in tone. Yeah. So like, give us a give us a synopsis <clears throat> of. Aliens. A synopsis. Uh, this was uh, Aliens came out in 1986, so seven years later. Mm-hmm. Uh, did I just do my math right? Yep, seven yep. years. Later. <laughs> <laughs> it was written and directed by James Cameron, uh, and it goes like this: 57 years after Ellen Ripley survived her disastrous ordeal, her escape vessel is recovered after drifting across the galaxy as she slept in cryogenic stasis. Back on Earth, nobody believed her story about the aliens on the moon, LV-426, which is where they landed in the first movie. I don't think we mentioned that. Um, After the company orders the colony on LV-426 to investigate, however, all communication with the colony is lost. The company, uh, which is Weyland-Yutani, enlists Ripley to aid a team of tough, rugged space marines on a rescue mission to the now partially terraformed moon to find out if there are aliens or survivors. As the mission unfolds, Ripley will be forced to come to grips with her worst nightmare, but even as she does, she finds that the worst is yet to come. Dun, 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 dun. Now, there's a few things in this that uh, might need a little bit of explanation if you haven't seen these movies. Uh, As far as LV-426 being terraformed, uh, this company, Weyland-Yutani, was actually... They they went up and they built this huge uh, machine. What did they call it? Did they terraformer. Call it? It's a terraformer. Yeah. yeah, and it was it was changing the atmosphere of the planet to make it inhabitable. Like that's what they do. They go in and they find uninhabitable mm-hmm. uninhabitable places, and they they make it so that we Be- can set up colonies. Because at this point in the future, we are living in space. We are expanding humanity. Right. So <laughs> my my thing is they enlist Ripley to go up. She's She's nobody. She was no. just. She was a, afraid. Well, the only reason the only like, reason that they asked her to go up though is because of they heard her story and they lost contact with the colony up there. So they think they they pretty much realized. Plus, Wayland Corp knows the truth. Ooh. So they're gonna send her because she knows how to deal with them and they can still get their own agenda done. Oh, it makes See, sense. I didn't, I didn't even take. Uh, I'm gonna jump ahead a little bit here, but I didn't even take the story of Prometheus into account here. This guy. <laughs> this guy. Slacking. I'm sorry. I just I just saw it yesterday for the first time. But uh, like I didn't even take that into account. That yeah, Wayland. Yeah, they know everything. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, that that's that's obvious. But like, it it's oh, still because it? you didn't. See well, it. not. I, I guess I'm I'm sorry. I'm trying to work this out. Um, James is literally having like a mind fuck right now. <laughs> like he doesn't even know what's going yeah, on. Yeah. Well, the thing is, is, I've watched all these movies in the past couple days, and I haven't like thought of them in. In a, in a chain so far. Like, yeah. this is the first time I'm working this all out. But still, even, like, they're sending her up with space marines. Why? Because she's come in contact with these things once before? But because like they she... don't... Because they might not... Because the space marines don't know how to deal with them. She does. No, granted, it's not... Does it's she not really, the most... though? Like, it was just it was just kind of happenstance <laughs> that she ended up in the EEV with this thing and she was able to eject it out. It's not the most concrete plot, yeah. Granted, <laughs> but um, but it works. It, it, it's a reason to get her back in the thick of things. Um, so Aliens, uh, Sigourney Reaver uh, reprises her role again as Ellen Ripley. Uh, joining her, we you have, can pretty much just say that for the rest of the series. <laughs> yeah. Uh, joining her, we have Bill Paxton, Michael Bean, Paul Reiser, and Lance Hendrickson, who plays the aforementioned uh, android in this installment. Right. Um, um, 
but we you actually know he's an android yeah yeah for they don't they, entire... they don't bury the lead in this one right um so so yeah they she well it's very convenient that as soon as she wakes up from her 57 year stasis mm-hmm. Uh, that now all of a sudden they lost communication with LV426. It's very uh, convenient. <laughs> like, it's, you know, you gotta, you gotta kind of... Part of me wonders if You gotta kind of look past these details when you're watching it. Well, I, I was just, I was literally just about to say, part of me wonders if they, if they just didn't wake her up until they needed her, but then I realized they found her on the ship, so right. that wouldn't make sense. They find her drifting. But, um, so, before we get into this, we watched... Um, it's important to mention that we watched the director's cut of this movie. We watched the director's cut of this one, three, Alien 3, and Alien Resurrection. And Alien Resurrection. It's important because there are differences between a lot of the cuts. Right. And one of the things that we mentioned where she's, uh, you know, uh, she was asleep for 56 years or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in the director's cut, there is a scene that's not in the theatrical where she's asking about her daughter. And uh, in the in the oh, movie, this is only in the director's only cut. Only in the director's cut, yeah. Really? This is a whole whole part that was that was put back into the movie for the cut. Is that um, she asks about her daughter, and so Wyland Corp looks into or Wayland rather uh, looks into her past or whatever, and they find that her daughter actually passed away. You know, she lived a good. She life. lived out her she life. She lived out her life. The picture that they show is actually Sigourney Weaver's mother in is real it really? life. <laughs> is played the daughter. It's. I just thought that was kind of funny. Yeah, that's but. cool. Um, that that to me, like that that notion was pretty heartbreaking. Like oh, she, well, especially now because I have kids. Like it, it'd be like you know, I go off and I'm just doing my job, and then I just disappear. And your kids, at some point, they just have to move on with their lives and live out their entire lives. And there's always like that small hope that you're gonna return. Yeah. So her daughter lived out her life, always wondering about her mother, and and then died. It would almost be less heartbreaking if Ripley was just dead, you know? Like, your yes. your mom died, and it's like, you. I've come to grips with that, my mom is dead. But then for Ripley to wake up and, and find out that her, her daughter probably wondered where she was her entire life, and mm-hmm. then died not knowing that she was still alive, that's pretty heartbreaking. No, I, compl- I completely agree. Uh, it's... it's- it's one of those things where, I don't know, when you, when I was watching the movie, it was it was odd to me that they would jump ahead in time that much, you know? I guess I understand it because it needed to be a lot more futuristic for the plot of the movie. Like, like technology needed to advance. Everything looks... They, well, they also, the, they also needed to start colonizing LV-426. Yes. Right. And, and I say that, that everything needs to be way more advanced, but am I the only one that watches this movie and I'm thinking to myself, they're using like, the same tech that I saw in RoboCop. <laughs> like well, like that big tank thing they drive around is basically a RoboCop vehicle. Yeah. Well, one thing that really stuck out to me as far as to, to your point is um so they're they're debriefing her or briefing her or she's briefing them whatever. Like people from Wailing People Corp. are just in briefs <laughs> everywhere. Everybody's just standing around in their skivvies. No, like so she wakes up, she kind of gets back to normal. And now this company who's been who put all this money into these vehicles, like they they were the owner of the freighter that they were on the Nostromo. Yeah. Uh, they want to know what the hell happened because they don't believe her story about these aliens coming and or this alien coming and destroying the whole crew, and then her having to like blow the ship up and everything. So they're they're asking her story and they're trying to figure it out, but. Uh, like you said, it didn't seem like things were all that advanced. 
This was, do we know what year this is supposed to be in? Uh, yeah, I should have written that down. It's somewhere, Keep talking, I'll look it up. Well, anyway, <laughs> they say they say in this briefing session, they say uh, her M-Class Star Freighter that she was on <laughs> cost them $42 million in adjusted dollars. So this is adjusted for 57 years in the future, $42 million. Yeah. Well, my as soon as I heard that, I was like, "That seems really cheap," and I was like, "I was like, I wonder, I want to know what military aircrafts cost." I know that they're like a Harrier jet, a Harrier jet costs like a billion dollars. Yeah, but that's you know, we build these, we build them in the not so distant past. In 1987, that's when the the B two Spirit bombers were built. Mm-hmm. 1987, those cost 2.4 billion dollars a piece. Oh, jeez. Well, this movie came out in 1986, so <laughs> like for them to be for them to be projecting in the future, hundreds of years in the future, that uh, or or at least decades, like several decades in the future, that they have this giant star freighter that can travel from galaxy to galaxy and put people in cryogenic stasis, mm-hmm. that it only cost them forty two million dollars. <laughs> That's a ridiculous notion. Yeah, it's true. Is it not? What the other notion that seems ridiculous to me is that they're holding you responsible for a ship that was destroyed fifty six years ago. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think they would have gotten over. You're it the at that biggest point. company in the world. Just move on. That being said, though, if you if you think about the storyline though and how how Wayland knows about everything, right? It's a reason to keep her there because they need to keep her there, right? Because she's the only one that knows about these creatures. Yeah. So it really, every time you think something's ridiculous, when you think of the hypocrisy at all of it all, it makes sense because it, it's big corporations just doing dumb things to to get what they want, right? Um, and, and, and almost uh, everything in the series can sort of be explained away in that too. Yeah, and uh, you know? here's here's a spoiler. Sorry, but like Wayland Corporation never really has the. Uh, the best intentions like their 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 point is never to protect their employees protect the crews of these ships basically the the entire their entire uh, 2183 is when 20, aliens 2183 alright so but basically their entire mission throughout the franchise is we want one of these things back and in our possession yes. so that we can clone it we can weaponize it and we can use it to our advantage that's pretty much the theme of the entire series is that wayland wants one right and every movie it's just another way it's it's just another plot for them to try to get it and ripley is just fucking up their plan which which (laughs) every time you'd think that they would stop sending her after a while (laughs) they're like this chick keeps fucking everything kill her and then she'll stop because every (laughs) single movie they could have gotten one if it wasn't for her probably yeah (laughs) Um, so let's, let's talk about the tone of this movie. We've been talking a lot about the plot yeah, and whatnot. Let's abso- talk about the tone of it. Like absolutely, uh, this definitely to me, like if we we're talking about the atmosphere of the original, uh, the that that the, the the Ridley the Scott aesthetic. That, if yeah, you will. exactly. This definitely played out like a James Cameron movie. Oh, absolutely. The big budget, uh, just like uh, the sets were all bigger. The uh, the uh, the action was more intense. The egos were bigger. The egos were bigger. <laughs> That's funny. Like. The, I, I think this movie kind of set the precedent for the the space marine. Uh, oh, yeah. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, just like every other movie that you saw after this movie that involved, 
quote unquote space marines. Semper Fi, Semper motherfucker. Fi. Yeah, like Doom, <laughs> Starship Troopers. Yeah. Uh, like what other what oh, other Starship movies? Starship Troopers like, is is absolutely aliens. Right. I, well, I just I mean, mean like I, I mean like the like like how the space marines are por- portrayed though. Sure. They're, they're usually just like meathead like. Big, big hulking douchebags, basically. Well, no, I mean, there's no, there's, I mean, there's even women and stuff, but you always have this. Women can be douchebags. Well, that's that's true. <laughs> they can. No, but I, like the character types, there's always like, like within this, um, I, I'd say like, like space, space marines are their own movie trope, mm-hmm. and within that movie trope, there are more little sub movie tropes. Like you always have, like in this movie, I really loved um, Drake. And Vasquez. I love Drake. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to think of a Drake song right now, and I can't do it. Well, I don't know when I'm There you go. Last no. name greatest, first name ever. Like Wait, I think I got that. Backwards. Yeah, that was the best. <laughs> we Brother. don't. We don't. We don't do the rap music very often. Um, no, but like, like, uh, like there was there was Drake and Vasquez who were they were the they were the big artillery. Uh, mm-hmm. um, like duo, they had a. That, I, that I loved, played by uh, Jeanette Goldstein. Right, fantastic portrayal. I loved, I loved their, I loved their relationship. Like they, they, they had like within this group, within this small group of of Space Marines, the two of them had a relationship like nobody else. Well, yeah, they like, were the they two were, that went first and everything. They right. had to have, that and they had the heavy artillery, and they both were just complete badasses. And I loved, you know, like. Uh, they were equals, mm-hmm. you know. She was she was a, a she was a small uh, like Latin American. She's girl. not. That's the best part about it. She's not. In, they darkened in, her skin well, for the movie. Yeah, in the in the movie, she was. People would probably call for whitewashing Mexico these days. But, uh, you know, she was a small Latin American girl. He was a big ass white dude. But they were equals, mm-hmm. and they knew it because yeah. they knew they were both bad. And they had like a like a kind of a brother sister relationship, but like a brother and sister of destruction. They were the big guns. Yeah, it was like the Bash Brothers and Muddy Ducks. Exactly. That's exactly that's, what that's it was. That's exactly <laughs> the the like the idea that I had in, in mind when I said this duo of like yeah. destroyers. Uh, um, real quick too, when we were wa- when we were watching this, I mentioned to you. I said it looks like they have these giant guns on this. Big old harness they walked around. See it? it almost that, looked like a steady cam set. Well, that was what I would say. It was. It was the the, the oh, was really? of it. It was basically a gun on a steady cam rig. That's what really? it was. Yep. Well, yeah, I, yeah, it makes sense. Like, and and I, I at first when I saw them going forward, I was like, would you really want to send the like when you breach when you breach an area? Would you really want to send the two people in that have like the biggest, most cumbersome? Well, yes, because they can mow down anything in front of them. But. They can also, because of the uh, the Steadicam setup, they were able to move them a lot quicker yeah. than you would be able to move a gun that size. Yeah. So, because usually I I don't know a ton about breach and clear, but like whenever you see uh, people doing demonstrations, like military uh, personnel doing demonstrations, they don't go in with like the big old, you know, the big no, Gatling yeah. gun yeah. gun first. They go in with like their smaller firearms because they're more maneuverable and 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 easier to uh use use yeah <laughs> <laughs> i don't i don't know anything about anything when it comes to that stuff no, so no. but it just we it like just, movies it just struck me it just struck me as like you're you're sending these two people in who seem like they could get killed off the easiest because they have these big cumbersome 
firearms, but they could actually move them around yeah, pretty well yeah. with the the thing the setup that they had. Um, yeah. So so, that's, so this yeah, it's like, like we were saying, this movie it's Space Marines action. It's it's the, all the suspense that was in the first movie. It's not gone, but it's replaced largely by big set pieces and big action firefights and like everything right. else. And and once the aliens actually, once the uh, xenomorphs kind of come into play, it's more of a it's more of an onslaught kind of yeah. thing. You know, like um, they're constantly just being barraged by alien attacks. Yeah. Speaking of the aliens, let's talk about the actual aliens because. Okay. Uh, my opinion, the aliens has the best portrayal of the actual xenomorph mm-hmm. in any of the movies. Yeah. In my opinion, um, this is this is they they really went all out because they should they had to show the full body this time, and uh, instead of it instead of uh, Carlo uh, Rambaldi, mm-hmm. who was his name that did the first one, uh, this one was taken over. This was a Stan Winston show. Stan Winston did the effects for this. Working under him was Alec Gillis and Tom Woodruff Jr., mm-hmm. which will become major players because they took over the series after Stan Winston. Right. They did Alien 3 and Alien Resurrection. Yeah. So they held the torch throughout the, the last three of the, the main set Alien movies. Um, but yeah, like the, the, the full bodies of these aliens now, like they... They're so awesome because they're they don't look human. Like I said, in the first movie, you would tell that it was sort of a dude in like an alien suit. Right. And this movie, they have their very own anatomy. Like and they look creepy as hell. They are the single scariest alien representation I think I've ever seen in a motion picture, mm-hmm. in my opinion. They're terrifying. A quick question. Uh because it, it's it's kind of like you know, throughout watching the franchise, franchise, it's obvious that the aliens kind of take on the characteristics of whatever, like in their parasitic form, they kind yeah. of take on the characteristics of whatever they inhabit. Correct. Um, so could that be explained away by the fact that the first xenomorph that you see, you know, he, uh, Kane, once he gets the the face hugger. It's it's human. It's like it's the alien mixed with human DNA. But they were technically humans and aliens too, though, because it was all the the people from oh, the colonies. Oh, because it was the well. I, are you sure they didn't have animals up there with them? Uh, I I think I don't know. I, I, there's there's a little bit of a plot hole here. I because that comes agree into play. That comes into play in in, in the uh, third one. in the third yeah, movie. Yeah, it does. I think I think that because you don't see the full body of it much in the first movie. They kind of just use that to their advantage to say this is what they would look like mm-hmm. because they still do walk on two legs. You know what I'm saying? They're still right. upright. Yeah. So they still have hum- human characteristics. It's just that now you see them full on for the first time in the series, and damn, they've never looked better. Yeah. Um, like and the hordes of them all together, like it's just it's 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 a perfect blend of of everything in this movie. Um. Yeah, it, it just it, I don't know. It works for me. These are my these are my absolute so, favorite ones. So is this as far as as far as the movies go, would you say you're more in the aliens camp? Uh, I'm more I cannot pick a favorite because they're yin they're yin and yang. You have to. I can't. They're no literally they're 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 yin and yang. You the must. reasons all the reasons that I love the first movie mm-hmm. are not present in the second movie, and all the reasons I love the second movie are not present in the first. Right. And so when you put them together, they're like a they're they're it's like the same score, but for completely different reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really tough. If, if I had to pick one, though, based pure on the, purely on the fact that they're called aliens and they're about the xenomorphs, mm-hmm. I would pick aliens just because it's my favorite representation of the xenomorph itself. Right. On. Um, but I but I love the suspense of the first one. Like <laughs> I, I don't know. It's I I, I really cannot choose. Um, clearly, resurrection is the best, but. <laughs> 
between the first two, I don't know. I don't know if I can if I can choose. Um, yeah, uh, we so we yeah. Where are we at here? Uh, one one thing that I really loved was because um, this to me seemed a little ahead of its time. The fact that uh, I don't know were were all of the Marines wearing body cams. Um, I know Vasquez and Drake at least were. Yes. But that that to me seemed it seemed ahead of its time because now. The first person? Yeah. It, well, well, there's it, a lot of first person shots from the alien's point of view, too. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah, absolutely. But to, to me, like, that's when you when you saw the shots from the from the body cams, and they, this is something that that carried over into Prometheus. Yeah. So, obviously, it worked. Um, when you see those shots from the body cams, it kind of just, it sucks you in, you know? Like, it, 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 it puts you right in the action sure. with the soldiers, which I thought that was a really cool aspect. Uh, one of the things that we haven't even talked about is the inclusion of a little girl in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> who, was, who was a major player. Yeah. Uh, so so in the beginning of the movie, you see, at least in the director's cut, because you don't see this in the theatrical cut, mm -hmm. uh, you see uh, a family of colonists, or one of the families in the colony, rather, going to explore the ship. And the father comes out with a face hugger on his face. Mm -hmm. The mother's frantic. And then you see this little girl. Well, that little girl becomes the sole survivor of the entire colony there. Right. Uh, her name is Newt. Newt. And uh, as soon as you meet her, the whole rest of this movie is pretty much about them getting this girl out of there and saving her. She becomes a, a massive part of the plot of the movie. Yeah. it's Like, that's not their main That's not the main objective. Anything, but, like, it... Well, it Ripley kind of takes her yes, in. Yes, it's Ripley's and, main objective. And becomes her guardian. Yes. Yeah. Um, and, and she is um, she's awesome. Yeah, she was like, really She's good. really, really cool. Yeah. Really awesome uh, like performance by a little girl, too. Yeah, yeah. Especially in this type of really, you know, high... And I'm, I'm pretty sure... I, I'm pretty sure movie. like this is one of the only things she ever did. It's right? the only thing she ever did. She became yeah. a teacher. Oh, <laughs> so there you go. Yep. Yeah, and she did a great job. Uh, there's there's a point in time in the movie where, uh, you know this time where she's sliding down the big tube? Yes. Uh, she kept playing with it, and she would intentionally mess up shots just so that she could slide down it. <laughs> and James Cameron promised her that if she did the scene right, that he would let her play on it infinitely. Uh -huh. She did it right exactly the next time. And really? then he kept good on his promise, and she played on it for the rest of the day. Wow. That's cool. <laughs> One of the funny set stories coming from it. Um, um, so, so bringing up the Newt character, we can we could probably transition into Alien Three here. Yes, but before we do, yes. can we please talk about how amazingly bad Bill Paxton is? Come on, dude! <laughs> how did we miss all this? <laughs> he saw, yeah, that. Oh man, yeah, you're absolutely how did right. We miss this? Yeah, we can't really. Yeah, we can't move on because he's got some of the most memorable. Game over, man! Game over. Exactly. That's like one of the most memorable parts from the entire franchise. Thank you for bringing this I, up. I, there's that's the thing. There's so much to these movies. You can talk about them forever and yeah. not touch on everything. Yeah, it's hard to it's hard to it's hard to get to everything. Which this is probably one of the things we should have made a point to get probably. to. <laughs> I have it written down. We just never got there. Um, um, no, his. I mean, yeah, he was. He's I, terrible. I, I I I think I said this back when we uh, we were talking about him when he passed away. Like. Oftentimes, the characters that he played came across as sort of corny, mm -hmm. almost almost overacted, but it was necessary. Like that character, that character was necessary. Like he wasn't he. I don't think he. I don't think it was acted poorly. 
I think well, he was just meant to be like ridiculously over the top. He also ad libbed a lot of his lines. That's and you can absolutely tell. That's fine with me. <laughs> I, I love I love the character. I thought. Oh, it, so do yeah. I. I think he's great. Yeah, it's just funny though. Like like the the fact that he is what he is is what makes him sort of a gem of that movie. Right. And what he is just it's it's not great, but it's but it's that. Like yeah. I don't know. I don't know how else to describe it. It's lovable. He's a very lovable character. Oh yeah, for sure. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I, I just I just think he's great. We could not have moved on without talking about that. Uh, this also was uh, Sigourney Weaver was uh, nominated for an Academy Award for her uh, portrayal in this movie. Was she really? Yeah, pretty crazy for yeah, an, for a horror movie, yeah. an, a sci-fi movie. Right, had an Academy Award nomination for acting. Like you yeah. don't see that very often. Yeah, that's unless awesome. Unless The Martian wins for best comedy, but you know. <laughs> That, I digress. <laughs> you know, we didn't we didn't really talk we didn't talk about Bishop either, which he's a huge oh, Jesus part of Christ. Yeah. It's it's hard. We can we can kind of talk about him because he carries over a little bit into little bit, Alien yeah. Three. So uh Mike mentioned earlier about Ash from the first movie. He was the the droid who you didn't really know he was the droid. Mm. Uh in 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 Aliens, uh Bishop, who was the droid, played by Lance Hendrickson you know it right off the bat, and uh, Ripley is not having it yeah. because she knows that in in the first movie she got completely screwed over by the droid that was on board yeah. with her. And um, that was a total asshole. <laughs> total asshole. <laughs> so I I kind I really I really liked the you know because y- you could tell in a way like uh, Bishop was almost kind of hurt by the fact that Ripley didn't trust. Oh him. yeah. Which is funny because droids are, you know. Well, as you I, see I, in this in this franchise, the droids are are programmed to to be human. Well, they almost. get progressively smarter too. Not smarter, but they get progressively more human more throughout human, the franchise. Yeah, right, and so you could kind of tell it was almost like he was sort of trying to win her over in a way. Yeah. You know, like he he felt kind of he he, he felt wanted sort of, her to like him. Right. He felt sort of hurt by the fact that she didn't trust him. So he he definitely proved himself by the end of the movie, and then he comes into play in the third movie. Yeah. Which, uh, why don't you take us to Alien 3? Uh, so Alien 3 is um, it's a point of contention for a lot of Alien fans. It's pretty much, uh, Alien and Aliens are very well received in the franchise. Mm-hmm. By the time you get to Alien 3, uh, directed by David Fincher, you start to get a disconnect between fans. Either you love Alien 3, or you absolutely hate Alien Alien 3. Now, you can't just think that Alien 3 is pretty good. Um, you can, I suppose, <laughs> but I don't know. It just okay, so, so you either love Alien 3... People are very 3, divided, I guess is my point. Or you hate Alien 3, or you think Alien 3 is pretty good. It's typically <laughs> speaking pretty divided, no, I, is, all, I, is all I'm trying yeah, to get Yeah, I'm busting at. balls. I get exactly what you're saying, because so, I've, I've, I've heard a lot of this talk, too. So, David Fincher, though, who directed the, the movie, yeah. uh, this was his first big big thing he would go on to do fight club and seven and gone girl and drag girl with the dragon tattoo yeah. like like he's he's an absolutely incredible director yeah um and for the longest time i thought that this was david fincher's movie mm-hmm. it's not you know the, the nice thing about this podcast is that it kind of forces you to learn new things about these movies that you think that you know stuff about uh-huh. um and it's not david you know, david david venture rarely talks about this movie in fact he refuses to talk about it nowadays um on the occasion that he has talked about it in the past though uh he's basically said that this this 
movie the studio completely took away from him. He was in a position where his first his first feature bombed. It was not good. It was kind of a disaster. Mm-hmm. So he got offered to do this big tentpole movie, and he's thinking to himself. Well, the studio is not going to let this movie be bad. It's their reputation on the line, too. This is one of their big franchises. <laughs> so whatever decisions that they make, it's going to be for the best of everybody. And so he went along with a lot of stuff, and they they butchered his story. He couldn't even film half the stuff that he wanted to film. And even the assembly cut that we get in Alien in the... Uh, the, the assembly cut that we get in the Alien Quadrilogy... Quadrilogy. It's such a weird word to say. Quadrilogy. Quadrilogy. It's a fun word. Um, because every movie got a special edition, basically, yeah. for that that big box set release. Right. Um, and when it came to Alien Three, Fincher just refused to be a part of it. He would not come back. Would not do it. So really? instead of a director's cut, we get an assembly cut. Mm-hmm. And this is based. Is on that the, what we watched? The yes, assembly cut. Yes. It's based on on the on the one of the first cuts that he did with the footage that he had. But it's not sanctioned by him by any by any means. This was just the studio recreating what that cut was. Mm-hmm. Um, so that being said, all the problems that people have with Alien Three, don't blame Fincher. Right. That wasn't a lot of it. Wasn't his ideas. He was kind of at the mercy sure. of the he. The studio. He found himself in a position where it was like everybody kept putting in their inputs and had different ideas and different ideas, and then when it fell flat, he was looking around, going, "So where's everybody's ideas now?" Which is, you know, which is, we've gone over this stuff before. Like, a lot of times you have, and and I know that they talk about it on uh, the movie crypt a lot. A lot of the times, movie executives, the people who are calling shots, like the people who are giving notes on movies, they're not even, they're not people who love movies. No, they're not even people who know much about making movies. They're they're just people who work their way up the ladder. And a lot of times, they have to have an opinion. Otherwise, why are they there? Right. Really, it's really all it is. Don't so they make stuff so they, up just right, to have So they a point. give their opinions, although sometimes they're shitty. And 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 they're going. This is what I think people want to see. Sure. And your ideas are not what people want to, which is ridiculous. Let the filmmakers make the films because they're the people who know what they're doing. No. Unfortunately, that is very seldom the way that it goes. It really which, isn't. Which is why there's so many. Uh, there's so many directors opting to just stay in the independent realm. Nowadays. Oh well, especially nowadays, that's actually the bread and butter is right. being indies. Yeah. There's in, like indies have become the indie darlings now. Like, yeah. um, anyway, so Alien Three. Uh, this takes place. It's it's commonly accepted. This takes place mere weeks after the events of Aliens. She has not been in cryo sleep very long at all. And the ship that, not to give away spoilers, but her, Hicks, and Newt all survive at the end of Aliens. Mm-hmm. And so that ship crash lands onto Fury 161, which is a Mac, which is like a, 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 a planet with a maximum security prison on it. Right. It's they, basically, they, basically like a, um, like a, like a, uh, a work, what do they call that? Uh, a wasteland. Not a, not a wasteland. It kind of no. is. <laughs> uh, prison work, what do they call that? Oh, uh, uh. Prison work. <laughs> it's not prison work. It's uh, what the hell do they call it? I, the I chain gang? I don't know. What do you, what do you want from me? I can't, I can't think of what it's called. But yeah, it's 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 essentially like a, a, a slave labor. It's a, essentially a planet where there is a maximum security prison, but all of the all of the prisoners are put to work as uh, as miners. Yeah, essentially. Was it? What were they mining? Uh, or like uh, uh, some kind of ore? I forget what it was. <laughs> we remember. should we should know this better. Yeah. Um, iron. It's iron ore. It was a big iron factory, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. Oh, uh, 
No, damn it. What was, uh, lead. 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 Isn't that... It was molten... I swear to God if we just watched this movie. <laughs> yeah. When you ingest this many movies in a short time, sometimes <laughs> the specifics get away from you. Yeah, that. exactly. Um. Anyway, though, uh, so, they, so they crash land, and immediately off the bat... The, the disconnect with fans happens. And this is one of the main reasons why people don't like this movie. Is, spoilers, Hicks and and Newt, after spending the in, almost the entire movie of Aliens, surrounded by saving Newt, as, as in, in you know Ellen Ripley's, Ripley's case, yeah. she's just dead. Yeah. Hicks and Newt are dead. They We suddenly don't care about these characters. And it's like, what? Well, it's not. I mean, it's not that you don't care about the care. The audience cares, but they. But it's like not... I like the. To me, to me, that kind of set the tone. Uh, you know, especially you know, not that Hicks was expendable or anything, but you don't really care so much about him as you as you do Newt, and the fact that she was dead, kind of, uh, lent itself to. The way the character was played, the way Ellen Ripley's character was played out throughout the movie, because sure. she was grieving the loss of Newt. Sure, I because think she kind it's, of it's a very sorry. it's a very subjective thing. Movies are subjective, right? Yeah. And and to me, even though we'll get into how I feel about this movie in a minute, like to me, the idea of killing them off though is no different than getting to the end of the movie and having somebody wake up going, "It was all a dream." It's a very easy way to get away from a story you don't want to tell. When you've already built up these characters, to the, we care about these characters now. Don't just kill them off because you didn't want to deal with them. I don't know. I, I, that, if I have one major problem with Alien Three, it's it's that. Um, but to get back to the synopsis, they crash land. Newt Hicks are dead. Uh, Ripley is still alive. She gets taken into the prison. And oh, and, do you want me to do you want me to read the actual synopsis? We never did it for this one. No, sure. Uh, after escaping from the alien from the alien moon, the ship carrying Ellen Ripley crashes onto a remote and inhabited ore ore refinery. There we go. <laughs> while living in the while living in the ore refinery until she is rescued by her employers, uh, Ripley discovers the horrifying reason for her crash: an alien stowaway. As the alien matures and begins to kill off the inhabitants, Ripley is unaware that her true enemy is more than just the killer alien. Yeah. So this movie goes back to the single alien uh, premise, very similar to the first movie. Right. Um, I've always said that, uh, or at least always as a couple days ago when I told you this, <laughs> that Alien and Alien 3 are sort of like sister movies, and then Aliens and Alien Resurrection are sister movies. Right. As In far the sense, as the formula As far go. as the formula goes, yeah. yeah. Um, now... <sighs> Oh boy, uh, Alien Three. Let's <laughs> let's just let's just get into this. Um, the, the the special effects in this movie are dog shit. They are they are at pretty much the worst, not only in the series but they're bad in science fiction in general. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I learned you, something about them. Are you saying specifically the CG? That that's what I want to get to. It's not CG. It's not. No, it's puppet work. So okay, so there so there are scenes. James is at a loss for words right now, but there are scenes in this movie that look like awful CG, terrible CG. It turns out there's only one CG shot in the entire movie. What's that? Uh, that's when the alien gets uh, frozen and its head cracks and it crackles yeah. under the under the uh, the freezing temperature or whatever. Yeah, that's the only CG shot in the entire movie. The rest of it is blue screened puppetry work. Gotcha. 
And here's the thing about it is that the color tones don't match. Yeah. At all. Right. Like you can absolutely tell that it's a blue screen every single time you see the alien. Does it not look like CG to you? It though? does. It, it's it's such a it's a weird thing. I think I just assume that it's CG because it looks bad. Yeah. But it's just bad. Like you, yeah. So so with that with that information that you're giving me right now, like it's obvious you can. So if it's a blue screen puppet. You can tell that they just took that image and laid it on top pretty of much, the, pretty much. Uh, the existing background shot. Pretty which, much. Which, even back then, I think they had the ability to make that look much better, right? Yeah, you would think. <laughs> you would think. Now, that being said, though, the practical effects that are in the movie look just as good as it's as the first two movies. They look incredible. Yeah. This movie this movie birthed the most iconic shot of the entire series. Yeah. And that is of the the close up of of Ripley and the alien right next to her face. Right. She's it's the she's most kind iconic of, shot. She's kind of like like she's got her eyes shying away eyes from clenched it. Yeah. tight just almost almost preparing herself for the little mouth to yeah. to burst into her skull. It's funny that like I I'd say if you ask a, a good majority of people who are not really huge genre fans uh, to describe the character of Ripley, they would probably describe her as the version having the shaved head. Oh yeah, like this is her most iconic look, and it comes so and, it, and it comes in the third movie. Yeah, which it's is so it, weird. And not only, not only that it comes from the third movie, it comes from the most lambasted movie. Like really, right. like this movie has all the controversy. Like, everyone knows the first two movies are good. Everybody knows the fourth movie is terrible. <laughs> it's this third movie that really garners all the attention because people can't make up their minds of how they feel about right. it. Right. Um, which I went through my own struggles with it, which we'll we'll get to. But Yeah. Um, did you pick up the, t- the tone of this movie? So, you have... It's, it's, a, it's a completely male prison. There has been no women there... Years. Pretty much in ever. Years, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, and so you have this this really hyper-sexualized tension throughout the entire movie. And, and, and I'm watching this, I'm thinking to myself... Which we should mention before you move on to that, remember that thought, but um, there's really only, there's about 25 prisoners left yeah. on, this, on this planet. And it, the company was originally going to shut down this prison. And these 25 characters stayed they wanted to stay because they had found religion suddenly and they felt like it was their purpose to be on this this planet and uh and and so they were allowed to stay with a a couple of overseers Mm -hmm. and a and a medical officer yes uh so that comes into play because there's there's kind of a weird uh tug of war between these guys trying to keep their faith and trying to, uh, <laughs> trying to, like nail Ripley yeah, if they well, can. Yeah, well, there's a there's a straight up attempted rape scene. Yeah, in absolutely. And then I gotta teach these boys a lesson. <laughs> he comes in with a metal pipe with brain matter at the top of it. You yeah, notice that? Yeah. Guy, one of the, the the inmate that is basically corralling the rest of the inmates, who is essentially the preacher in the story. Yeah. He's got a pipe with like brain matter on the top. He's straight up killing his guys. <laughs> but he doesn't kill that guy. That he guy's... doesn't. But he fucking maims him yeah, though. He really, like, Jesus. He, he gives it to him. So anyway, go back to your thought that you were talking about. Oh well, I'll, my point was this though: is that this movie has some serious like sexist undertones to it. They were, I'm sure, were intentional because of the of the of the tone of the movie. But sure. like, I'm watching. I'm like, wow. Like, 
this really, this movie doesn't like women. And it's funny because it turns out that the woman is their savior. I think that it was intentional because of the flip flop towards the end. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. But, go, I wouldn't go so far as to say that the movie doesn't like women. I'm not it's, saying that the movie. I'm not saying that the movie is sexist. It's just has very sexist themes to it, though. Yeah, is is more what I'm saying. Um, uh, well, I don't know. It's. I don't know because she's still she's still gradually throughout the entire movie she becomes more and more empowered. Well, sure. So it's not really sexist. It's like it starts off with like these real like the characters are sexist. Well, okay, yeah. But the movie itself, like to say that this movie hates women. No, like, no, that's not what I'm saying at all. Well, you that's said not, that. Well, it's it's okay. Maybe I was saying it wrong, but <laughs> I think we get what I'm saying here. Yeah. Is is the movie you watch it and you're like, damn, this is. In the beginning of it, like, this movie's really mean towards women. Like, everything the people are saying, the way they act towards Ripley, the way... Now, granted, well, this... throughout all of this, though, Ripley's a badass throughout yeah, all of it. Totally. Like, the main the main guy that is corralling, you know, the guys together, uh, played uh, by Charles Dutton, by Tra- the way. Yeah. Uh, uh, Dylan, Dylan is his Dylan, character. Yeah. It, yeah. So, it's funny. There's a part where she's walking in and... Uh, the, the the chief officer in charge wants to keep Ripley away from the prisoners because it would cause unrest because they hadn't seen a woman in forever. Right. Yet every single time they say don't come out of the infirmary or keep her behind walls, the very next scene is she's out walking amongst everybody. Or she's, <laughs> right. They never stick to it. Right. <laughs> they don't follow their own rules. Um, but there's one scene in particular where she sits down and Dylan looks at her and, she, and he goes... You don't want to know me, lady. I'm a rapist. I'm a murderer. This and that. Blah, blah, blah. And she, she just looks she at him. Just she looks goes, at him dead in the eye and goes, well, I must make you very uncomfortable. Oh, it's so badass. <laughs> it's so badass. Instead of like shying away and being like, oh my God, he's going to rape me. She's just like, fuck you, man. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, well, they, well this sucks for you, doesn't it? Right. And that's what I'm saying. Like this whole movie is kind of, it's empowering her the entire time. And even after the attempted rape, it's not like she gets up and runs away she walks up to one of the dudes who just tried to do it and fucking knocks him out you yeah know? so yeah um i'm gonna i'm just gonna go I'm, I'm gonna come right out and say it i actually didn't mind this movie i thought it, it but we've we've discussed on we've discussed on previous episodes i'm pretty easy to please <laughs> so, well okay but so, like watching it, like I'm, I'm able to take a, I'm able to take a, a franchise, even one as beloved as, as, as the Alien franchise, and I'm able to compartmentalize each installment. Yeah. And look at them as, as, as completely separate entities. And so, if I'm looking at this movie as a completely separate entity, I, I don't know. I like, I had a good time watching it. Well, it's 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 Again, funny that you I mentioned that. I haven't seen it in years. Are you asking me what I think of it? Yes. Ask me what I think of it. What do you think of it? Well, James, let me tell you a story. (laughs) Okay. I watched this movie. I had seen Alien and Aliens. Oh, this is the longest story ever. Just get to your, get to the point. Um, Okay. So I, the first time that I saw Alien 3 was probably about three years ago. I had seen the first movie and the second movie. I had never made it to the third movie though, Mm -hmm. right? Um, I had owned the quadrilogy. I had just never gotten there. Resurrection, uh, oddly enough, was the first one that I ever saw. <laughs> You're so weird like that. I know, sometimes. I know. Blockbuster, man, it was a good, it was a good cover. I rented it. <laughs> anyway, so I hadn't seen Alien Three for the longest time. Uh, Vito, our friend Vito, uh, kept telling me that it was awful and that he didn't like it, but he wanted to know my opinion on it. I watched it. We ended up having like an hour and a half conversation about how bad this movie sucked. I hated this movie when I first saw it. 
This was, Absolutely so this was a few years it. ago? Yeah, this is probably three, four years ago, mm-hmm. somewhere around there. Absolutely hated this movie. Like, and and, and I had and le- legit reasons. Like, we talked about it in did depth. Did he share your opinion? Yes, he hated it. He doesn't like it, too. Um, and, and there was actually, uh, there's a guy that I know from Grand Rapids, uh, the same guy that I mentioned earlier that went to go see Tim Curry. Right. Um, he loves this movie, and he will fight. It's like his favorite movie ever. He will fight anybody on it. And I have fought with him many a time about <laughs> how bad this movie sucks. Um, and I, so this is so rewatching it for this episode. This is probably my third time seeing it at this point, right? Mm-hmm. Hadn't seen it in a few years. I put it on. I'm watching it, and I'm finding myself having a bit of a come to Jesus moment. And I'm watching it, and I go, "Oh my God, I, I get it. Like something clicked." And I'm watching this with completely fresh eyes. And I'm loving it. I'm loving every bit of this movie now. Mm-hmm. And thinking of it even right now as we talk, I want to rewatch it again because I'm realizing that I just missed the point completely one of the first time that I saw it. Now, does it have something to do with the fact that we watched the director's cut? I think or, the, or it, the assembly I, cut. I think that it does because yeah. the the no this is yeah the assembly cut. Um, the assembly cut puts back in a lot of scenes that really builds on the characters. This is a movie. Okay, so the first movie was your horror slasher movie. Second movie was your action movie. This one is your character study drama, for lack of a better way of saying it. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the theatrical cut really kind of disserviced itself because it cut out a lot of the human story of the characters. Yeah. Uh, one of them being this main guy that we keep talking about who's like the leader, the religious leader of the group. Uh, Dylan. Dylan. Played by Charles Dutton. All of his scenes where he's like praying to God and, and like saying all these really uplifting things to keep the crew together, they're all cut from the actual And that, that blows my mind. Like that's 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 a it's huge... A huge part of the movie. Right. They gutted it so when you watch the assembly cut you get much more of a sense of who these characters are and it's way deeper and 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 the movie just works on such a and it, it works better on a fundamental level it gives you much more of a sense of that uh the 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 battle that they're faced with mm-hmm. as far as like trying to keep their faith but also trying to deal with this this outsider who happens to be a woman who's like you know she brings with her uh temptation which yeah. is something that they haven't felt in a long time. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, so I'm now I am now in the camp that I I kind of love this movie. Like I don't know that it's I don't know that I would put it necessarily above Alien or Aliens. No, no. But way. I put it in the same league now because I get it. Even though this was not what it was supposed to be, what we got still works. Right. By the grace of some god, <laughs> it still works, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, and like the whole thing, it's it's set in this downtrodden place, and the the characters all sort of hate each other, yet still come together. Like it's this weird juxtaposition of emotions that just comes together to form this movie <clears throat> that works. Right. And I never got that until now. Uh, and I challenge anybody who hasn't seen it in a long time that thinks that they hate it, rewatch it. With a very open mind. Well, and, and watch the assembly cut. And watch the assembly cut for sure. Uh, it really, really does help. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how else to say about it. Like it, I really had, like I said, a come to Jesus moment with it, and I was just like, I. Maybe it's because 
watching movies the way that I do, I've just really expanded my horizons mm-hmm. and I appreciate things way more than I would have in the past. But um, but yeah, no, I, I love it now. And there's certain things that make a big difference. In the beginning, for example, um, in the theatrical cut, they uh, when they crash land, Ripley is still on board the ship. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, somebody opens up the top of it. They look in. They see everybody else dead. They grab her. And then you, she's magically in the place. In the assembly cut, she's thrown from the wreckage, which explains why she's alive. Everybody else is dead. Right. She's washed up on shore. Um, the well, men, the, well, not not really, because if you were if you were thrown from the wreckage of a spaceship crashing into a planet, I guess my point is that she was live. separated though, and yeah. so, and something happened to where she didn't get the brunt of it. I right. guess whatever. I'm using my imagination, but it makes a little bit more sense to me. Yeah. She's thrown from the wreckage. She's not. She doesn't get maybe the brunt of the of the explosion or whatever happens. Right. And then the uh, the chief medical officer finds her, carries her back. There's this big story between him and her or whatever. But like, the, uh, this was uh, Clemens, by the way, Clemens, the chief yeah. chief medical officer played by Charles Dance. the The whole beginning though plays better. Like it really yeah. just does. It, the whole beginning plays better instead of the 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 single xenomorph coming from a Rottweiler, which is what you see in the theatrical version. All of that is cut out in the assembly cut, mm-hmm. and the 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 face hugger attaches itself to like this big ox looking thing. Well, it isn't. It's an ox. It's an ox. Well, <laughs> that's why it looks it's like not an, an ox looking no, thing. It is an, an ox. An ox is still an ox looking thing. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's true. <laughs> um, point is though, like, there's a lot of differences that really make the assembly cut the better the better movie. Yeah. So yeah. Um, a couple of things to mention. Uh, earlier you talked about uh, um, a, a, a sex scene, like how how they how they describe like uh, you know which movie were to oh, Prometheus. Oh yeah, yeah. Where they where they talk about like, well, this is what people would do in it. This movie actually does delve into that. It does. And like I said, with the whole kind of empowering women thing, like uh, like Ripley just sort of owns her sexuality in this one. She's she kind of oh, yeah. she starts to get close to Clemens. Played by Charles Dance, and and she just comes right out with it. She's like, I've been, I've basically been frozen for the past fifty eight years, from the first movie and the second movie combined, and then now whatever, however, however many weeks she's been frozen, she's like, I gotta get laid, you know. So they do it. I'm gonna try that pickup line. Huh? I'm gonna go go up to a girl. I've been frozen for two years. Fuck me. (laughs) That's that's the line right there, Mike. Um, yeah, I, I completely lost where I was going with that. But my point was just to, like, speak to the 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 fact that this whole movie was kind of empowering her, in a way. Sure, yeah. it absolutely was. Anyway, you got um, anything else? Yeah, you know, I just want to just touch on this real quick. You know, we talked about how this movie got taken away from David Fincher, um, and the whole, like, production was sort of a mess. Mm-hmm. Well, this we can get into an entire podcast of just the pre-production of this movie. But I feel like it's worth noting that they spent somewhere between seven and thirteen million dollars just developing this movie. Between they seven went through, and thirteen, that's a big they, gap. Well, I've heard different numbers, so yeah. I don't know exactly what it was, but we'll say ten, give or take ten million dollars. Sure. How about that? Um, they had there's like there's four scripts that you can readily find online mm-hmm. for Alien Three. You know, some of them take place in. This weird future where uh, Ripley is basically like in a coma the entire movie, and it faces and it's it, it it revolves around Hicks and, and Newt. Mm-hmm. The entire movie is a Hicks and Newt story. Really, 
that would have been absolutely amazing. That got shot down. There's another there's another version of it where she crash lands as like a falling star to these this the sect of monks that live on this like iron wooden planet. Like it's it, there there's crazy ideas for this movie. Well there's were, there's were definitely made. aspects of that that came cuz you know sure. she crash landed and Absolutely. That's essentially the one, they were monks. That's the one that took a lot from right. the, the story was completely different. And yeah. you can find all these online and they like I said for most like independent filmmakers these days, for the amount of money that they spent just trying to figure out what they were doing, you could have made fifteen movies mm-hmm. for thirteen million dollars. Yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like it's it's crazy how these studios used to throw money at these things just without a care in the world. Right. Um, the other th- other thing too though is is talking about how Fincher lost control. His original cut was three plus hours long. Really? They cut. For the assembly cut, which was only two hours and like 25 minutes, something mm-hmm. like that. So they cut basically 40 minutes out of his original cut and then cut another 20 minutes out of that for the theatrical cut. They cut a full hour worth of footage out of David Fincher's original idea for it. For the theatrical cut? Yeah, and wow. his uh, his his version of the movie was w- super gory, super violent, super gory. Or like He was pushing limits with it. There's some stuff that you can find online too of like of 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 scenes that were cut. There's some stuff on the uh, special features of the quadrilogy. Um, I would love to see it. it. Apparently, it's out there. It does exist, but it's super hard to come by. Even the assembly cut uh, was definitely more focused on the gore. Yeah. Like I kind of I I kind of the spirit of that cut was there in the assembly. Cut, yeah. But yeah. it's not all there. Like the um, there's an autopsy scene for Newt. And apparently, according to the special effects team, that was so graphic. Like they showed them cutting open the chest, and they showed them rooting around, and, and like, like just this kid autopsy, which was so they sh- unsettling. They showed to a see. little bit of that in the. There was cut. a lot more though, yeah. like like really bad, I guess. Mm-hmm. So. Um. Yeah. So. Um. I. I guess we can't really move on to the next one without without mentioning this is a pretty big uh, aspect of this movie, but at some point Ripley finds out in Alien 3 that she actually has one of the xenomorphs, the chest bursters, inside Aww, of her. she's preggers. She's pregnant. <laughs> which which, uh, which kind of... They do the... Uh, this movie ends like Terminator 2. Her and the xenomorph <laughs> do the dance, and uh, she gets a little... Is this movie not the end of this movie? Isn't it's Terminator Two? Yes, it is. That's she Terminator she two. sacrifices herself by dropping into molten hot lead, and uh, the best the best part of the ending of this though is actually in the theatrical cut. The 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 alien bursts out of her chest. I don't know if you saw this or not. No. In the in the in the assembly cut, she just falls back, very Christ like in a crucifixion type pose. Mm-hmm. She falls back into lava. That's the end of the movie. Right. In the theatrical cut. Mid fall, the 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 chestburster bursts out of her chest, and she coddles it like her child. I, actually, and then falls into the lava. Now that you're saying that, it's coming. I have actually seen that. It's, that it's not a huge difference, but like it's it's interesting that there's two cuts of that. Yeah. Um. So that takes you into Alien Resurrection. Then. Yes. Um. So Ripley's dead as shit. <laughs> Ripley is dead as shit. This came out in 1997. Yes. Uh. So just one year after Alien Three. Um, it's kind of weird. It was directed by Jean-Pierre Junot, who 
is the director of Amelie. Yeah, I know. I don't get it either. And Delicatessen, I, like it's, it's, <laughs> I don't get it. It's a, it's an odd choice, but uh, written by Joss Whedon. <laughs> the thing that I just don't get. Yeah. Um, two centuries after uh, Ripley's death, she's revived as a powerful human-alien hybrid clone who must continue her war against the aliens. Let me ask you a question. Yeah. Ask Why it. did Ripley need to be cloned in this movie? Um, well, because they wanted... they The Wayland Corporation is still trying to get that alien so that they can weaponize it. Let's resurrect the one person that has stopped us for centuries. But the only the only alien DNA that they have is is inside of her. The only usable alien DNA that they have is inside of her, which I don't know where they got. Where they get it from? She dissolved into lava. Well, they said that there was like blood samples and stuff, so maybe she was bleeding in other areas of the the ore refinery. I... Okay. <laughs> sure. Anyway, they they clone her. She comes back, uh, and then it's just a big mess after that. There's there's not a ton to say about this movie. No. Um it's not good. I, it's um I find the I find the tagline of this movie very fitting. The tagline is it's already too late. Uh, <laughs> and, yeah, it is. And it really it, is. Like it was already too late to make this movie. Like you just just stop. Well, for the benefit of 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 the show here. This movie is starring Sigourney Weaver again. Uh Winona Ryder who gives the performance of a lifetime. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> Ron Perlman, who also gives Ron the performance Perlman. of a lifetime. Michael Wilcott and Brad Dorif, a.k.a. Chucky himself. Wincott. Michael Wincott. Wincott, what did I say? I, uh, Wilcott. Oh, sorry. I think I it even felt like, to me, for the majority of this movie, Sigourney Weaver was just kind of phoning, phoning it in. Phoning it in completely. Yeah. Uh, she's quoted by saying that the only reason that she did it is because they basically backed up a truck full of money into her driveway. <laughs> she, like That's a quote. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's an all right reason to do something, it, I guess. I, I'd do it. Um, okay, so Joss Whedon wrote this movie. Yeah. And I have to say this uh, right off the bat, that if you've ever seen the movie Serenity or the show Firefly, mm -hmm. it's funny, this show is like the first draft, or this movie rather, is the first draft of that show. Yeah. All of the character types in this movie exist in that show to a T. The captain is absolutely Malcolm Reynolds, mm -hmm. uh, Nathan Fillion from Firefly. When you say the captain, you mean uh, um, Michael I'm, Wincott's character? Yes, I'm looking, at, I'm looking at you for the names here because I know you have them in front of you. Okay. The Jane character, who is played by um, uh, Adam Baldwin in Firefly, mm -hmm. is, is a combination of Ron Perlman and uh, the guy with the dreads. Uh, I can't think of his name. Christy. Christy. Yeah. Even down to the fact that the big bulking guy has a chick's name. Wow. Adam Baldwin's name is Jane oh. in Firefly. Okay. Uh, Malcolm Reynolds wears a long brown trench coat. So does the captain in this one in one of the scenes. Mm -hmm. uh, you have the... I don't need to go through them all, but yeah, every you, single character is basically like the first versions of the character of Firefly. It's like Joss Whedon was like sharpening up his chops yeah, on and this movie. He is quoted as saying that he never even realized the, the similarities really? until somebody pointed it out to him. And I don't necessarily don't believe him, but it just shows that that's where his mind is. Like yeah. he likes very certain things. The way he wrote this movie, there's lines that are straight lifted from this to that. Oh, really? Whether it's intentional or not, I think this is how Joss Whedon writes. Yeah. Um, uh, so it's, it's interesting to watch this movie speaking, looking at it like that. Speaking of which, not Joss Whedon's best outing as far as writing goes. 
Like to me, to me, that's like the I disagree. The narrative and the the tone and and the mood aside from this movie, the the one thing that stuck out to me the most was the writing and just the cornball lines. I disagree. Like pretty much every word that came out of Ron Perlman's mouth was awful. I will say for the third time, I disagree, and there's a reason for it. Okay, there's a reason for it. Mm-hmm. Um, Joss Whedon wrote this movie as a lighthearted take on this universe. However, well, there's your problem. However, Jean-Pierre Jeunet, who directed it, and all the actors played it completely straight. They did not act the way that the script was written, and that is why it didn't work. Well, why this, was why was there no communication between the screenwriter because and that's the director? The studio, then? Because that's the studio. Joss Whedon just wrote his vision of it, and the studio okayed it. That's not Joss Whedon's fault. I guess that's that's the that's the disconnect, though. At this point in time, when these movies were made, nobody, it, no one, it, it was not a cohesive unit. It, it sounds like you know, um, and and even Joss Whedon says his dialogue and his story was largely kept intact. It's just that it wasn't presented the right way. Mm-hmm. You had like even the actors on on set were changing the way things were said and the way things were done because they didn't understand what was written. Um, and like I said, that's just that's just bad direction. That's bad communication um, behind I, the scenes. Well, it's also I mean like. The, the the first three movies in the trilogy were all very serious movies. Sure. So if Joss Whedon intended to come in and make a more lighthearted version, then that's something that should have been right out in the open. Because I agree. if you just it, it's kind of like when it's kind of like when somebody texts you something and you're like, well, that guy's being an asshole, and it's like, no, it was lost in translation. If you just if you're just handed a script. And you know all you know about the franchise is what you know from the previous three movies. Yeah. You kind of need, you kind of need a little bit of direction from the person who wrote it to let you know, like, hey, this isn't meant to be taken very seriously. This is all kind of tongue in cheek. And that's, I think, that's where the major disconnect is, and that's why it came across as super cornball. Yeah. Like, like I said, it's not good. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not making an excuse for this movie. That being said, I had a blast with this movie. I did. You turn your brain off. You have like two or three or seven beers, and like you are, you are in for such a good time. <laughs> it was entertaining, but it was not good. Oh yeah, it's no. a bad movie. Anybody? No, it's not a good movie at all. I, <laughs> but I think that people are missing the point. I think when you watch this movie now, it can absolutely be appreciated because of the shittiness mm. in a different way. Yeah, it wasn't intended for it. Um, but there's some people that hate this movie in in such like a this this distasteful way, and it's like I don't like just turn your brain off and have fun. You know, these are the people that just can't get over their own their own egos of how they feel about movies. Well, but also know. not not everyone not everyone does the the research to know that Joss Whedon, you know, like not everybody might know that Joss Whedon intended this to be a, a lighthearted version. Like sure. they might just see. The writing and and the portrayals of these characters and be like what what the shit is going on here this isn't the alien universe you know what yeah, i mean no it's completely different so it's, it's nothing I, is. I i don't think it's necessarily the fault of the the people who don't like it either it's just maybe they don't get exactly what he was trying to do with it and let's just let's just say that 
everybody fucked up on this movie. <laughs> everybody fucked up on it. Um, so, a synopsis here, because I don't think we've gotten into the whole <laughs> synopsis of this movie. Um, well, I, I already read a little bit of a synopsis, but why don't, yeah, why don't you run us through... Okay, so, yeah, so like we said, uh, Ellen Ripley is cloned. She's a... Comp- Sigourney Weaver is fucking terrible in this movie, by the way. Yeah. Awful. Like, you can tell that she phoned in every bit about this performance. Um, she's awful. Uh, Winona Ryder is terrible. Ron Perlman is just a bad version of Ron Perlman. Uh, <laughs> nothing works in this movie. And basically what happens is they, they clone they clone Ripley. Uh, they're cloning... They have aliens in glass zoo cages, essentially, where they're just breeding them. Way to make your scary creature not scary is by putting them behind glass and saying that, oh, suddenly they have no power anymore. Well, uh, to me, to me, that actually was... To me, that was one of the parts that was kind of effective. Like, the parts where Brad Dourif's character was looking in on the alien and... Uh, he thought he had the power, mm-hmm. you know, because he had the little button where he could like deep freeze him if that he needed bothers, to. That bothers but, me. A but, little but cold still... spray can kill the, can hurt this animal. Are you kidding me? This isn't an alien we're talking about. Well, it's, I think it's more of a, an annoyance. It was they were training they were training the aliens the same way that it was like a Pavlovian thing, you know, where Pavlov would uh, um, like a, a dog would salivate when it heard a bell. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. It's the same. It's the same kind of thing. Or like a dog knows not to bark when it feels a shock collar go off. You're not hurting the dog. You're just annoying the well, shit out enough, of it. Well, fair enough. Fair enough. So that's how they were trying well, to train. Regardless them. of which, something happens. They get loose. Now they're 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 terrorizing. There's twelve of them in this movie. Yeah. They're terrorizing the whole like colony station. or whatever, station. And uh, it's very similar to Aliens and the fact that there's more than obviously one of them running around. Right. It's a group effort. It's much more of a popcorn feel bad movie. <laughs> and I don't know how else to I, describe it. I think the problem with Ripley's character is that she just doesn't come across as she doesn't. It's not believable. She's supposed to be at this point kind of genetically tied to these aliens, yeah. and so she's she's su- actually she, half alien. She, yeah, she herself is supposed to be kind of like them in certain instincts and stuff like that. She's got superhuman abilities yeah. and stuff like that. But I, 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 just the way that Sigourney Weaver phoned it in with the with the performance, that side of her just came across as uh, I don't know. It just felt a, the only saving grace that she gets. The only saving grace that she gets for her performance is that she's supposed to be a clone and not actually Ellen Ripley. Yeah, it's the only pass that she gets in that. Right. Other than that, it's. But there's but there's times when she's like she is acting like one of the aliens where you almost feel like you can't trust her because she's got this look in her eye and she might attack at any moment. Yeah. But then there's times when she's very much Ellen Ripley where she's like caring and and compassionate toward uh, Winona Ryder's character and stuff like that. It's just I don't know. My favorite part of the movie is all over the place. My favorite part of the movie is when she's like Xenomorph, you're tearing my heart apart. <laughs> Mike thinks that Ripley looks like Tony Wiseau in this Tommy. movie. Tommy, Tommy, Tommy Wiseau and from the room. Me calling him exactly. Tony. Me calling him Tony Wiseau is no worse than you calling Tim Curry Mark <laughs> Curry true. all the time. That's true. Uh, she looks like Tommy Wiseau in this movie. I'm sorry, she does. From the room, if you've never seen the uh, room, it's go the to worst. the Tumblr. There will be a, a side by side. Um, yeah, I don't know. This movie, like I said, not great. You have aliens swimming underwater, which you've never seen before. You have funny story. 
Ron Perlman knocked him, almost died because he knocked himself almost unconscious by swimming to the surface and hitting his head on a sprinkler head. Really? And he and he dropped down. And, and he sunk on Yeah. Wow. He almost died in the making of this. Um, so yeah, the, the aliens are all fucked up. They swim. They're they're, they're the the queen is. I've got kind no problem with cool. the aliens swimming. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. yeah whatever. I don't you know. have the queen is back. That's kind of cool. She looks decently okay. Except for now, she gives birth to a giant oh, God. sperm baby with a skull face. Oh, God. Oh, gosh. Oh, the baby. The newborn. <laughs> it's so bad. Let's talk about the newborn for a moment. All right. Whoever made the decision that the aliens will show emotion should just be shot. Because that is the worst decision they could have made in this entire movie. It just... It, it throws off the entire like idea of what the alien is supposed to be, in my opinion. Like, the alien is this big hulking creature that just kills right and now suddenly it's sort of docile and it has these emotions like it just it doesn't work it, it, it i mean it makes it sense because it's in- mixed with her dna but i it's just i don't know it, it shows it in its eyes though too like the facial expressions of, yeah. of this hatchling like it's it, it's just bad well the and hr o- geiger's original design for the alien had eyes they got rid of it though right when he 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 basically demanded that they get rid of the eyes so that it would be this just this emotionless killing machine yeah which works it worked for the entire franchise don't give it these cheesy yeah it's, stupid it's just eyes bad. and i don't know yeah it was it's it's, it's it was a really bad decision i don't know who made it it's a really bad decision. The only good thing that came of it, though, is its death, it's death which is was pretty cool. gnarly. <laughs> yeah. It gets sucked out of like a one inch by one inch diameter out of the side of a spaceship. A bullet hole, essentially, <laughs> that got blown. Or no, it wasn't a bullet hole. It was uh, from blood, acid blood. That's right. Yep, yep. That got sp- sprayed Ripley, onto this window. Ripley has acid blood because yeah. she's part alien. Right. This, mo- <laughs> this movie's a mess. <laughs> it's so know. fun, though. Come on. You oh, cannot- sure, sure. It was a... Dude, the, when I, I, I checked out almost like... There was a there was one line where they exactly they mentioned they mentioned the Wayland yutani uh, uh, Corporation being bought out by Walmart. Yeah. And I was like, fuck yep. this. Yep. This is so stupid. Yep, yep. <laughs> Is that the line you were thinking it's, of? It's actually not. That was a bad one, too. The line that checked me out was, who do I have to fuck to get off this boat? And then to which Ron Perlman replies, I can get you off. Maybe not off the boat. Oh, <laughs> God. And then there was, another, there, was an, <laughs> there was another gem. I had to write this one down. This is another Ron Perlman gem. Now I smell like shit. If bitches can't handle this shit, Bitches should stay away from this shit. Go to uh, bed, you fucking bitch. Oh, <laughs> oh man. Nice writing, Joss. All right. Uh, yep. We don't have to say too much more about this movie because <sighs> we're super out of time and yes, this are. movie was terrible. <laughs> uh, we actually meant to talk about all of the movies from Alien all the way up to Prometheus, but we're running short on time. So, so we- we're actually going to... Alien Covenant comes out next month. So we're gonna go see that, and then we'll talk about Prometheus and Alien Covenant. It together. makes a little bit more sense yeah. because they're they're back to back or whatever. So. Right? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, uh, yeah. so uh, that'll do it for our Alien episode. If you want to find us on social media, look for us on um, Facebook, Instagram, and SoundCloud at the Buzzkill Podcast. Oh, you can also find us on Twitter at the Buzzkill PC. And uh, sorry, I also uh, forgot to mention Horror Amino. Oh, fuck you. Where you may find Freak Feynman because I did look him up and he's on Horror Amino. <laughs> so congratulations to him. 
If you want to find J-Raj... You can find it at Ocean Recording Social Media or www.oceanrecordingstudio.com. And if you want to see what we're talking about, uh, which, uh, you know, you should because Mike tirelessly <laughs> works on it every week, uh, you can find us on the Buzzkill Podcast. Tumblr.com. Um, that was a good one, right? Also, we should mention, uh, we are going to be taking a week off. We are. Uh, we we decided it's it's finally time to do a little bit of reformatting on the show, so we're going to take the next week off and, and uh, figure some stuff out. Housekeeping, if you will. A little bit of housekeeping. So uh, this, this episode is coming out on Sunday, and then it'll be two weeks from that point. We will have not, a new episode. Uh, we're not going to change the show completely. Just you know, we're going to tighten some things up. We're going to add some stuff. You know. Yeah, just a few fun things, just for our own sake and yeah. for your sake, just so that it's more fun to listen to. Because Absolutely. because listening to Mike do the same thing every week just gets old. Jeez. <laughs> anyway, uh... <laughs> I got nothing to add. It's, no. it's a sad existence. He, he knows he sucks. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I think that'll do it, boys. All right. Had a good well, time. Then. Cheers, boys. Cheers, Cheers, boys. Game over, man. It's game over.